1: Just call 888-441-7290 or go to southernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it that you're listening to my show and it's called Southern Sense and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com and click on the icon for My Patriot Food. All right, welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense. Anyone that's listening in, uh, there is a problem with Blog Talk Radio with their chat room, so we're unable to open the chat room in Blog Talk Radio, but you can switch over to uh, Spreaker, Spreaker Spreaker.com, pull up SHR Media, and just look for our show there. Or if you're listening over on Facebook, we've got the chat uh, open also on Facebook. I apologize, it's beyond our control, but you're here listening to the Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube. Oh, fit the heck with it. Just goes to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, Southern, com. I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair and erudite co host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Hello, Curtis. How mm-hmm. are you today?
3: I'm feeling great. Even though those storms came through last night, I feel great because uh, Trump is in a a winning mode. Matter of fact, um, he just received another win through uh, appellate court. So I'm just enjoying this win, win, win.
1: (laughs) Well, what's the other win in the?
3: Well, they wanted to um of course the Democrats wanted to be able to get into um, Trump's um taxes his you know personal tax businesses and stuff like that. Court ruled that Uh-oh. they don't have a right to do that.
0: Good. Good.
1: Am I I'm dropping glad you out? You hear that? Okay. Uh, you did for a split second but it also dropped out my backup I don't know what the heck is going on if people are able to listen or not. Um <laughs> let's just hope we get we can get our guests to come in today. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. This it's is a Democrats they mad that we
3: we win and we win and we win so they are have been oh,
1: you just dropped out again, Curtis. Did yeah. I lose Curtis now? Oh, you you popped I'm in still and here. out. This is the this is going to be a crazy show. <laughs> this
3: it's going to be challenging.
1: Yeah, I think it's your phone, Curtis. It might be your phone.
3: Um, well, I'm on a headset. Let's see if you can. I'm, I'm, I'm through Skype.
1: Oh. 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 All right. Well, I can't even get my backup phone to go back into the, uh,
2: Sound like the, the Twilight studio.
1: Geez. I, I. Well. For those listening in, uh, this is what we got scheduled for today. Um, We've got our RNC uh, section at the beginning of the show. Uh, I want to thank the uh, Republican National Committee for sending us Trump spokespersons on every show. Uh, Bruce Lavelle will be joining us right after our dedication. And then there's this comic book, it's hysterical. Uh, The author is Martin Gregg, and the name of the comic book is called Little Adam Shit. (laughs) C-H-I-T-T. It's great talking about the investigation (laughs) and the uh, impeachment. Um, So I'm imagining part two will be coming out rather shortly. Um, And then we're going to have Dylan Howard. He wrote a book called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Now, that's a really interesting book. There's things about uh, Jeffrey Epstein that are not being told to the public that are in this book uh this this is an amazing, amazing story, and why this went on for so long, and how many young women had their lives ruined because of this man and his cabal and then we're going to end the show with Lieutenant colonel Buzz Patterson he's been on the show in the past he's running for Congress out of California District seven, so Buzz Patterson is going to be joining us also, so uh we've got an exciting show lined up, Curtis.
3: Yeah, that's, that's great. Did I drop out again?
1: For a split second, um, check the connection on your headset. Okay. It may be loose. Uh, just check the jack. Cause sometimes if you're moving around and the jack isn't in properly, it'll knock it out. <clears throat> but, um, yes. it's, we... in there. it's in there. All right. So we're going to do the dedication yeah. a little early and, uh, let me pull that up so we can start that. You know, you rattle me when something doesn't work right. <laughs> yeah.
3: I,
2: mean, oh, man, I, I,
1: I don't like it like when
3: things me. like this happen.
1: <laughs> well, today's too dedication is going to go out. To, uh, yes, absolutely. Today's dedication is going to go out to um, Lieutenant Robert Jones of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey Police Department. His end of watch was Saturday, June 15th of 2019. And the first part comes <clears throat> excuse me, from defensemaven.io. Port Authority of New York and New Jersey Police Department, Lieutenant Robert Jones, died on June 15th after suffering complications from surgery intended to treat an illness that developed following a line of duty injury. The exact nature of the 55-year-old lieutenant's illness was not disclosed, according to the chief leader. His co-worker, Port Authority Officer William Leahy, died earlier in this month. We will note that Lieutenant Robert Jones also responded to Ground Zero on 9-11, but this is not related to 9-11. I will tell you in the week we lost these two. We had heard from brothers and sisters of the Port Authority Police Department across the board. There was great love, admiration, and respect for both. Port Authority Chairman Kevin O'Toole said during a ceremony honoring both officers and their families, Port Authority Executive Director Rick Cotton spoke of the college, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce this word, their engagement and dedication. They will be missed profoundly, Cotton said. Lieutenant Jones, a 21 veteran of the force, served as the department's JFK International Airports Tour Commander, according to the Port Authority Police Benevolent Association, the PAPBA. He was beloved by police officers he supervised, a true gentleman who never, who will never be replaced. The JFK command is devastated. Rest in peace, our brother. Thank you for sharing your life with us signed the PAPBA tribute. The chief leader reported that Lieutenant Jones leaves behind his wife and her daughter, who is laid to rest on June 22nd, according to the Thomas F. Dalton Funeral Homes. Our thoughts and prayers are with the family of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey Police Department, Lieutenant Robert Jones, both blood and blue. Thank you for your service. Rest Easy Hero will hold the line from here. And this is from the Officer Dan Memorial page. It's been 227 days since his end of watch. Time has stood still since 1632 on June 15, 2019. Life as we know it is forever changed. I want to say a very heartfelt thank you to everyone who took a few minutes of their time to acknowledge the American hero. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. He was Lieutenant Robert Jones to his superiors and subordinates, but to us, he was Bobby and Daddy-O. On behalf of myself and our daughter, Sydney, I would like to express my deep appreciation for all of you. We sat and read every single reflection tonight. It has brought us tremendous comfort to all his brothers and sisters in blue. Thank you for your service and daily sacrifice. Bobby Jones will never be forgotten, and to each of you, again, our humble respect and gratitude. God bless. Signed, Elizabeth Jones, wife of Lieutenant Robert Jones, end of watch, June 15, 2019. And it's followed by, to my brother from another mother. This is the part where I say something spiritual like to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. And if I know you, you have God laughing all day. Every day, I thank God for your wisdom, kindness, and unconditional love. Thank you for a lifetime of memories. Watching you dance with your two left feet was hilarious. Thank you for the laughter. Thank you for the tears you shed with me in my darkest days. Above all, thank you for being my brother from another mother. Signed, James E. Jones, brother. And finally, this is from the Thomas F. Dalton Funeral Homes webpage. So very sorry to hear the sad news about a longtime friend who was loved and admired by everyone who knew him. Always a delight to be around with his humor kindness, and sweet disposition. Much love to the family he leaves behind and dwell in all the great memories you are blessed with until you meet again. That was signed, Wally Padulo. And from Michael McAleer, I am truly heartbroken to hear the terrible news. Bobby was a great man who I consider my brother. My deepest heartfelt condolences to Liz in Sydney and everyone who loved him. And finally, from Hassim Ali Shabaz, And he writes, Sending my deepest condolences to the Jones family. I am so sorry I have received this information about Robert just this week. We grew up together, and I can honestly say he was always a person of good character and moral decisions. Never will you be forgotten, Robert Jones. Son, Williams and Shabaz family. Peace and blessings. Today's show is dedicated to Lieutenant Robert Jones. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, emergency services. It's also dedicated to the brave men and women who serve in our military from the birth of this nation through today and into its marvelous future. We can never say thank you enough, but we can say God bless each and every one We dedicate to them the song by Todd Allen Harrington My name is America
2: Born in the grip of oppression I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends
4: All
1: right, and we're back. We're back. You're here listening to Blog Talk Radio here on S- Southern... S- <laughs> See, i get all messed up, Curtis. You're here listening to Southern Sense on <laughs> Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm the hostess, most, most screwed up hostess. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, the radio chick, along with Curtis C.S. Bennett. Uh, if you're trying to get into the chat room on Blog Talk Radio, the chat room feature is down. We've been trying to get into it ourselves, and I'm trying to find out what is going on, and they are not responding, and it's getting me ticked off. Uh, so it's not you. It's not us. It's BTR, uh, and hopefully we'll get that sorted out, but I doubt they'll get it done before this show ends. But we can always cross our fingers. So if you want to participate and send comments, go over to Spreaker.com, pull up SHR Media. Our show is listed under SHR Media on Spreaker. I've got the chat room open open on there on my main screen. I am also have it open on Facebook. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult for me to do on Facebook because it's on the other computer that I run all the audio off of. But it, you're not nuts. It's not us. <laughs> So it's not that we don't want to talk to you and see your comments. It's just that we can't. So I apologize for the difficulty, and we'll see what happens with Blog Talk Radio. Of course, it may mean this may give me an um, a little extra push to get off of Blog Talk Radio and into a different platform. I've been doing it on Blog Talk Radio for over 10 years, going on for 10 years. and a half years.
3: Yeah.
1: T- 10 and a half. And they still yeah, have so technical it's,
3: problems.
1: It's, yeah. Yeah, they still do. But, um, you know, I came across something I was reading uh, just before it came on air. I belong to AMAC. Um, and people can check out AMAC, which is the alternative to um, AARP. Just pull RP, up AMAC. Yeah. Um, I, I get the magazine with my membership. And um, there's an article written by Dr. Mike Fulgents. And he wrote, Waving the Betsy Ross Flag Higher. It was very interesting. And I'm going to read you the article. It reads, In January 2013, during his second inauguration, President Obama hung the Betsy Ross 13-star flag behind him without offending anyone. In 2015, prominent Democrat and playwright Lynn manuel Miranda launched the hip hop musical Hamilton. The cast sang a tune celebrating that same flag flying at Yorktown. Quote, how do we emerge victorious from the quagmire? Leave the battlefield waving Betsy Ross flag higher. Unquote. The multiracial cast had no problem singing these words despite Colin Kaepernick's unfortunate veto of a Nike shoe design due to the presence of what he implied was a racist 1777 flag purportedly designed by Betsy Ross, a Quaker lady, and Quakers were strong opponents of slavery. The Betsy Ross flag symbolizes America's miraculous victory over the greatest military power the world had ever seen to that date. When did that flag become a racist symbol? Lisa Mulder, director of the Betsy Ross Home in Philadelphia, said that she has never heard of the flag being used as a hate symbol. And Dr. Alvita King, niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., said, I am not sure Brother Kaepernick even totally understands who Betsy Ross is. I am on the board of Crime Stoppers of Southeast Texas. I have contacted police chiefs and retired FBI agents in both Texas and Louisiana. They all emphatically told me that they had never seen the Betsy Ross flag used as an inappropriate manner, nor in conjunction with the Confederate flag. The Betsy Ross flag is also part of the seal of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. I have spoke with veterans who served overseas. They saw men die. They were present when the flag was draped over the casket, then folded carefully and given to the widow or heirs. Disrespect for the flag saddens those veterans. Mark Mark Pitcavage, a senior research fellow for the anti defamation League, the ADL Center on Extremism, said that extremist groups have occasionally used it, but the flag is most commonly used for patriotic purposes. He states, we view it as an innocuous historical flag. It's not a thing in the white supremacist movement. It is not in the ADL's hate symbols database. If a few fringe racist groups used that flag, so what? Do Christians have to stop honoring the cross if KKK groups misuse them? I prefer to not let haters define our greatest symbols. It is also sad to see Democratic presidential candidates jump on the anti-American bandwagon, of praising Nike and Colin Kaepernick for tarnishing an American symbol of freedom, and sacrifice. Amen. Amen to that, Curtis. Did I lose Curtis? Curtis, are yeah, you I can't. I can't
3: hear you. Can you hear me now? I got you now. Okay, because you you keep fading in and out, too.
1: Uh, Tell me, Blog Talk Radio is really screwed today.
3: Yeah. There are times I can hear you, and then it's like you just fade out. I I think we need to renegotiate our contract with these guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think so. Anyway, um, but we were just the article was about the Betsy Ross flag, and he gave examples of when the Betsy Ross flag was used by President Obama, uh, other Democrats, and how our current presidential candidates are praising Nike for pulling the flag uh, from a shoe design because Colin Kaepernick uh, objected to it, saying it was a racist symbol, and he gave all the examples of why it's not and he had someone from the anti-defamation league say no we do not have it in our database as a racist symbol we we honor it and we think everyone else should so they've gone absolutely berserk on anything and everything they see as being racist it's gone I, I politically to be correct home. too far what's that
3: as a kid we we used to visit Betsy Ross home in uh, Philadelphia and um never once did we connect her or the flag or whatever to any racist movement.
1: No, guys, she was a Quaker. And the Quakers Ross. were one of the loudest Quakers were one of the loudest uh, opponents to slavery.
3: Yes they were. They were. And if oh, I'm not mistaken, Ben is, Franklin was a Quaker.
1: Yeah. Yes, he was. I, I believe he Actually, no, he was not raised in any religion. Uh, but I think he may have adhered to Quakerism later on in his life. Because you got to remember, Ben Franklin was an orphan.
3: I know he changed his views about a lot of things in life. And one was yeah. his position on blacks and once he he came around to supporting um you know the, the the rights of blacks to um become citizens and things like that, you know, he he was pro, you know, well anti for blacks. Even though at the time of the constitution when it was written, they couldn't really put that in there at that time because it really would have split the country long before the Civil War.
4: Oh,
1: absolutely. And there's a whole... There are books written about the Constitutional Convention, which George Washington presided over, and had gotten so contentious in the fight over whether or not, you know, uh, blacks are, are should be freed. And the fight over slavery was right there on the floor of that Constitutional Convention. It was so oh. contentious that finally... George Washington brought in a minister, had everyone kneel in prayer, and only then did they find a common ground to agree with so that we can finally get our Constitution passed, written and passed. uh,
3: The three-fifth clause.
1: They knew knew that over time it was going to come back up again, but in order to establish the nation, they had to make the compromise and said this is a fight for a later day. Let's get the nation built, established, and firm. And once we do that, then we can readdress this issue. And they did. They did. Less That's than right. 100 years later, we fought the Civil War over the issue. But ever since the Constitution was written, there was still a continuous fight to fight for the freedom of slaves. It wasn't something right. that they just put on the shelf and said, we'll, we'll talk about this maybe 100 years from now. No. Once it was passed, they said, let's bring it back out. And they continued to fight and continued to fight and continued to fight until we were able to free the slaves <clears throat> and lose my voice.
3: Yeah, me too. But if you if you listen to <clears throat> those on the left, this has always been a racist country.
1: You know, in that article, he said, you know, he equated. They're saying Betsy Ross flag was a racist symbol. To the same thing that would Christians stop worshiping at the cross because the KKK uses the cross to burn. You can't take a symbol of goodness because a hate group decides to use it and pervert it. You can't take it away from those who see it as a good symbol. It doesn't mean that we're racist. It doesn't mean we support the KKK. We believe in the love of Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. We believe in the goodness that his dying on the cross symbolizes, the redemption and the resurrection. That's not what the KKK is doing. They're not saying the same thing, but saying that we're all bigots. They're two different things, two completely different things. And we've got to get people to understand that. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Anyway, um, there was a little item I came across. The University of um, Michigan has a gift shop. And they decided, because Black History Month is coming up, to have symbols, little dolls, little dolls, uh, that represent those that helped to fight for freedom. Harriet Tubman, uh, Martin Luther King, and so forth. They even had Abraham Lincoln. But they made a slight mistake in judgment. Uh, for that, they were called racist, of gift shop and are being sent for re-education on prejudice, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I don't know how you can be unintentionally prejudicial. You either are or you're not. And if you're prejudiced, then that is an actual intent. You, You have decided that you want to hate this group or that group. It's not unintentional. Anyway, they took the dolls, and in order to display them, you know how you go into these stores and they have these little trees out there that they display jewelry or watches or something else like that on there. You know, you go into PetSmart, they have them by the cashier little t-
2: trees you yeah. so
1: pick off that little novelty item. Well, unfortunately, they decided to hang these dolls on a tr- on the tree. Um, hanging figures that fought for civil rights by a little string on a tree may not have been the smartest idea. (laughs) This is in a liberal college. Yeah, (laughs) I heard about that story. (laughs) I mean, you got to laugh. I mean, they wanted to do something good, but they didn't think about how they were going to do the display. I mean, (laughs) it might have been better off if they tacked him to like a, a cardboard display.
3: You know, but you know we should be pushes. we shouldn't be so sensitive. You know, I mean, some things are quite innocent, and we don't have to attach <laughs> a, a a protest um, theme behind every everything <laughs> that we. I mean, first of all, you have to be looking at the world like that and see people that put that up probably are like me. I I, I don't see slavery when I do certain things like that. I'm not thinking that way. No. It's almost like the person that tells a dirty joke And one person doesn't get it Uh, My in the (laughs) gutter.
1: Oh man Uh, We're waiting for our guest to call in Uh, So I'm just sending a uh, uh, A little note to the person That booked him for us Um, uh, (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta laugh uh yeah. Sometimes you just gotta laugh. Oh jeez! So just bear with me as I try to do this. And I'm About sorry, guys. The wind but, that uh, Trump
3: had in court today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had mentioned that uh, his his financial records are not open. So this was for the fight that he has in New York, New York State, trying to get his uh his court records unsealed. His uh, financial records unsealed, correct?
3: No, let me let me clarify that was the topic I saw, I misread. But anyway, it's over allegations that he violated the emoluments clause over foreign payments to his businesses. In other words, they were trying to say that he was um, profiting off of, you know, the presidency by accepting um, payments. You know, he's got businesses. Even though he turned the businesses over to his sons and his daughter, He still, you know, collects a share of the profit, you know, and it was that part of it that the 200 Democratic congressional lawmakers said he had violated the emoluments clause and the court said not so. So he's able to make money on the side, you know. I mean, he is a businessman.
1: Well, how many other presidents had something on the side? You know, normally they would put it like into some sort of a trust, have a financial advisor, you know, handle it for them. Um, how many other presidents have done the same thing? And that's, I, that is I—that is what he has done, basically. He's turned his businesses over to others to operate, uh, and right. he's stepped away. So he has no active right. day-to-day uh, participation. It's in a trust. Nope. And whatever it does it, he does. But he can't, he can't influence it. He can't do anything about it. He can't buy or sell. It just has to remain there well, until he it. They don't makes want him it. to
3: make any money off of it. They don't want him to make any money off of it.
1: <laughs> oh man! I'm sure well, I mean, I just he probably doesn't and- even spend it. Yeah, well, I just sent a message over to the RNC, letting them know that we're waiting for Bruce to call in. Um, just hoping that we won't have any problems with our other guests. But this was something I pulled aside, and I gotta, I gotta love some of these people or some of our, our patriots here in South Carolina. This was coming from the Sun City Republican Club. It was written by an anonymous author, so we don't know who wrote this. Uh, but it's titled "Towards the Vote for Impeachment." And I just thought this was too funny. I thought I'd share this with our listeners. And it reads, The vote for impeachment and all through the House. The Dems called him a liar, a scoundrel, a louse. The witnesses were questioned, their answers unclear. But the Dems were incensed and just didn't care. They made up some stories. They ignored many facts. They misled with their words while they pressed their attack. And Schiff and his bug eyes and Nadler with his naps pushed their agenda while looking like saps. Then articles were crafted with no criminal base and passed unanimously by every Dem in the place. The Republicans played a part in this farce as well by attending and legitimizing what the Dems tried to sell. And out on the lawn at a White House presser, there was a lady reporter, so Trump stood to address her. He led with a smile and the gleam in his eye, made it clear to the press corps he wouldn't be shy. He was calm and sincere when he called it a scam. All he wanted was justice and to explore this damn sham. So on to the Senate, let's see where this leads. I've done nothing wrong, I've made no misdeeds. And he smiled and he waved and he turned then to leave, but turned back with a twinkle, Touched his head and said, believe. Then quick as a flash, the names were there on his lips. Each with a nickname, now familiar, old quips. Now Nancy, now Adam, now Jerry and Vale, now Sheila and Eric and Maxine, you old gal. There's been lots of bills, so you could have passed plenty. But instead, you've now ruined your chances for 20. So just bring it on. Let's get this thing done. But remember this day when in November I've won. It's been a fight for three years, and you've handed me no blows. So I can weather five more. I might have to. Who knows? Still, history will show I accomplished a lot. Despite this resistance, your party has wrought. So embellish your stories. Cast me a villain. I'll be in the Oval Office smiling and chilling. Isn't that great? I love it.
3: Yeah, Absolutely love it. So we still don't have our guests. Huh?
1: Uh, um, nope. Nope, we don't. Uh, but what I'm going to do, uh, Curtis, if you can take over for a few minutes, see if I can call him directly and get him here onto the show. So uh, bear with me as uh, okay. I try to do this. <clears throat> All right.
3: All right. I want to share with you guys um, an experience I had just a few days ago a friend of mine, who's a Democrat, car-punching Democrat, and um, somehow we got on the subject of um, the State of the Union. She asked me had I watched it. So I told her that I did, so she was like, well, do you still support him? I said, support Trump. That's what you're talking about, right? She said, yeah, Trump. I said, well, why wouldn't I? She said, because he's a racist. And of course, you know, I know the origins of her mindset. And it's it's from all the propaganda and, and what the media puts out about Trump. So anyway, I told her, in no way is Trump a racist. I mean, first of all, if you look at his his resort in Miami, I mean, um, Palm Beach, Mar-a-Lago. One of the reasons why that exists is because Trump found out that the other resorts in that area would not allow blacks and Jews and other um, people from different um, cultures to become members. So, he opened up mar a mar- Largo and that allowed for blacks and Jews and others to um, to join. Not only that, I added when Jennifer Hudson, the famous black singer, um, some of her family members were murdered. It was Trump who put her up for a month in one of his resort hotels so she can get away from the media and have a chance to mourn in peace. So I said to her, does that sound like a racist? And she said, well, I didn't know that, you know, I said, matter of fact, when it comes to the KKK and racism, I said, that, that is the Democrat party. They're the ones who instituted slavery. And I just went down the list of things that the um, Democrats stood for, that they tried to put on Republicans. And she was amazed. She was astonished because she had not heard that before. So it's like I tell most Republicans and conservatives out there, it's good to know our history because, uh, I mean, the Democrats are going to come at us and uh, we had better know what we're talking about so we can counter these things. Are you back, Annie?
4: Yeah,
1: I I'm back right trying? now. No, no, I'm here. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Unfortunately, we're getting no answer from our guest. There may be a problem with his phone. Um, we had a major storm that came through the eastern seaboard uh, last night, so there could be some phone lines that are knocked out, so I apologize for that. Looks like we're going to be nothing but snafus all day today. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I I don't know what you were talking about, but I wanted to mention that if anyone lives in the Colorado area, uh, Colorado Springs, on Thursday, February 20th, Trump campaign is going to have another rally, Keep America Great Rally. Um, So if you go on to the DonaldJTrump.com website, you can get your tickets over there. And Curtis, you know, these things are crowded. You've been to them. And and people go absolutely nuts just trying to get in. And I wanted to go over some of the numbers uh, for the last rally. Uh, with our guests because it was phenomenal and let me see if i can find them because a quarter of the people that showed up at the rally the last rally in new jersey happened to have been democrats you find that amazing uh, here it is these yeah, numbers I heard i'm looking that. at <clears throat> and it looks like we do have our guests coming in finally all right let's, let's bring them in on the line and if we can get our computer to cooperate, we've been having one hellacious day at the start of the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, oh, good Lord, brain fart, Bruce Lavelle. Good afternoon, <laughs> Bruce. How are you doing today? I thought I
5: was the only one having technical down here. I've been trying to get, I don't know what's going on, but hey, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, no. It is, oh, you're it is our pleasure. Our, we were talking about, you know, uh, what's going on with the Trump campaign, and I, I was saying that coming up on February 20th, you've got another rally in Colorado Springs, Colorado uh, with Trump, so I'm telling people to go to the John, donaldjtrump.com website if they want to get their tickets, and I wanted to go over the numbers from the New Jersey Trump uh, rally, which I thought was phenomenal, Uh it cause At the time it was going on, it was freezing cold out there. There were people camped out for 29 hours just waiting to get in. That's amazing.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, That's actually been going on since 2015, respectfully. Um, You know, for example, when we had the, when he announced coming out in Orlando, you know, uh, last year, when the official, you know, saying, hey, I'm running again there were folks out there in the in the storm you know a day before lines everywhere and it was literally just raining and thundering and so um it's not uncommon but uh, the passion runs very deep and uh, these the and, american people and feel that there's someone there's a voice for them finally
1: uh, yeah absolutely you know and they're saying that you know, the the crowds trying to get in are growing bigger and bigger Because you had over 158,000 requests for tickets. Out of that, 73,000 voters were identified. Over 10% didn't vote in 2016. And over one-fourth of the crowd were Democrats. This is phenomenal.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's, once again, someone that's a champion, someone that finally backs up what they're saying, someone that's Stepped in there and, and talked about bringing manufacturing back to their communities, and uh, a person, uh, you know, that said, "Hey, don't sell your house. Hold on, you know, don't move. We're coming," <laughs> you know, you know and, and everything that corresponds with the fact of, "Hey, we're, you know, going to build the RCA's, the Zeniths, the the Maytags that were built, manufactured in the United States." and uh, bringing back the pride and, and uh, the sense of, uh, hey, we can build and we can bring it back. So, I mean, the list goes on in terms of just the, the optimism as it relates to how the president's message is transcending. And it's just for all Americans. You know, It's not even really a Republican thing. It's just a, an American thing. And I think for so long we've uh, been tuned out as it relates to just the same old messaging and then the, and whoever gets in does the opposite or doesn't do what they're going to say. And finally there's a track record of three years of promises made promises kept. So it's only going to get bigger.
1: Yeah, I believe so. And then new, jumbo, new teeth backwards, new numbers for the job market came out today and it's even oh, yeah. better than last month. I didn't think you could top mm-hmm. last month, but he's topping it. <laughs> And more and yeah. more people are, are just jumping in. It, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and, yeah. you know, this is on top of his being impeached, going through this whole debacle that's been going on for, before he even took office, it started. Um, yep. Yeah. And he's, this week has just been his best week. The harder you push him in a corner, the more you try to destroy him, the better he gets. He
5: just shines. He looks younger, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually with him Monday, um, and he was in great spirits um, and uh, very energetic and um, very happy, you know. And, you know, I I think a lot of it has to do with, too, that um, America's starting to wake up. And I've always said from when I was at the RNC convention, um, and I said I I was actually on one of the – On one of the night shows, CNN, I told him, I said, you know, we're about to go through a a living, breathing American revolution, uh, a a reformation on our republic as it relates to how business is being done. And it's not going to be business as usual once this champion by the name of Donald Trump becomes president. And, of course, everyone laughed at me on the panel um, because they still weren't in reality that he was going to win but I just felt in my spirit that, you know, um, you know, God set this this man up that was 40 years in the uh, private sector and is well known. And he's been through all types of tabloids and all movies and shows. And it's almost like he was being seasoned and tuned up to sit in this Oval Office to endure this type of persecution and accusations and all the other things because respectfully, I don't know if anyone else could endure this type of, uh, you know, persecution, quite frankly. So, you know, you, you got to believe that God's in this, you know, 100%. um, (laughs) Someone that's going to be a champion that relates to protecting the religious freedom in our churches. And um, someone who is a champion is saying, Hey, we can build this. We can, manufacture this we can uh, build this when we were told you didn't build that in the previous administration and attacking regulations that have just totally devastated some of the small businesses some of our great companies that drove them overseas because of the you know crazy regulations you know so you know the list goes on and i think finally people are starting to believe you know it's kind of like in the beginning we had 16 candidates and you know people are like uh you know and, and I've always said it's only going to get better once he proves that he knows how to run the nation's balance sheet um, and making good business decisions and negotiating with uh, Kim Jong and all the other folks that we historically didn't make any headway. So um, I'm very excited about it, and uh, we pray for him every day in our nation because this is a living, breathing reformation of our republic, and his name is President Donald J. Trump.
1: You know, I, I find great joy when I see him just shining like he is, and I see more and more people supporting him than ever before, and the fact that the religious community is strongly standing behind him. I had a, a pastor on here. He was for Ted Cruz, and he said on the show, you know, God did not choose him, and I'm like, how do you know what God wants? How do you know he was not? he's not the right man at this time in our nation to help? bring us back. And he kept on saying, well, he's he because he's he's a sinful man, well, so was Saint, the Apostle Paul. Uh, yeah. So were <laughs> many of the saints that have been called to God's service were all sinful individuals. David killed yeah. his brother to marry his wife. Come on, King David. And yeah. we count him as one of the greatest uh, in our religion. But still, yeah. I said, how Absolutely. can you say
5: yeah. You know,
1: isn't
5: this all well, you about know, redemption? Yeah. Well, you know, it's hey, we're we're God uses in all different types of ways. He uses the most unique people that you can imagine. I mean, I, I'll tell you, um, back in 2015, my wife and I, and well, along with 100 plus pastors on the 26th floor, back in 2015, uh, witnessed three prophetic words that this was the the Isaiah 45, which is the Cyrus of this time and that the uh, the prophecy was that president trump donald trump at the time was the the new modern cyrus and Absolutely. this was but i was I also, there for those I, you know also, for those words and i looked at my wife i'm like oh my gosh did you hear that and so um okay. you know it, it it it's it's a lot deeper than what people can believe and you know it's interesting on this conversation about someone who's been called to to an office or Someone who's anointed to be a leader in a capacity, whether it be a church, a community, or a nation, and so um, the the most unique people that you would never expect turn out to be the most uh, dynamic and the most uh, you know, some of the best leadership comes from someone that you would least expect, you know. So, and and I just we we believe that, and I can tell you, we were in Miami with the evangelicals for Trump. I mean, I thought that the entire uh, facility was going to just explode of excitement and just how the president goes up there and says, you know, we don't worship government. We worship God. And he said that over and over and the fact that how important it is for our faith-based communities, because that's who we are as a nation, you know, and challenging America and challenging, as he said in the speech, to, hey, sign up, go support your local faith base, you know, via, you know, because and, and, that is the nucleus of who we are, especially when we're in need. I mean, Hurricane Harvey, for example, was devastating on the flood. I have a lot of friends that live in Houston and across the area that were devastated by the floods. But I'll tell you, FEMA did a great job, but 80% of all the help came from our faith-based community. So some of our great, you know, a lot of our citizens that were totally displaced, it comes from our faith-based. And that's one thing I love about the president is understanding how important And I've been in many rooms with him uh, on occasions where uh, him stressing and putting emphasis on our faith-based communities when without them we cannot be a nation, we cannot sustain ourselves in society and and taking care of each other. So I'm I'm very grateful that he he sees that and understands how how critical that is.
1: Well, I I find it, you know, amazing too because – It's some of the things the Democrats had been doing before the age of the internet and social media. You know, they would be all done. We would not know about it until after the history books were written. But I love the fact that he's blessed us with this medium that allows us to get our out. Otherwise, no one would have ever known about Shadow Inc. that put together the app for the Iowa caucus and its link to the Clinton campaign. And first thing out of My husband's mouth was, do you think that this was put together by the Clinton affiliates just so Bernie Sanders could not get a foot up over Buttigieg? And sure enough, I heard Tucker Carlson say the same thing last night. And I'm saying because of our media, word got out to someone like him that puts it on the national stage. Otherwise, no one would have known about this.
5: Yeah. Well, you know, remember, one thing is that I think sometimes a lot of folks forget about is the fact that when President Trump announced how he ran and how he was going to run his campaign, um, one of the most, one of the, the biggest things, and for me wanting to support him is abstaining from special interests and not being beholden to lobbyists or special interests. And I don't think people, you have to really let that marinate to understand how critical that is. Um, because there's some really great folks that really a lot of them do go in with great intentions, and but they take the money, and they realize, and they pretty much psych themselves out and say, well, I'm going to do vote what's right anyway. You know, you're gonna you're gonna think about the person that gave you the several million dollars to help you get there, and deep down inside, you're gonna feel like you owe them. And I think this is some this is a very critical part of his presidency to where you can go in and govern to where you literally don't have to pay back someone or promise someone. And I think that's what makes this presidency so um, organic and so clear. The other thing is that I knew in my heart that a lot of things that were in darkness and that were, that were not done above board and righteous will be exposed And this is part of what you just said as it relates to Iowa. This is many other things that have been exposed um, that has not been in the best interest of this nation that hasn't been ethical. And so this is the tip of the iceberg of more things to come of this president operating in not doing backdoor deals or being beholden to special interests or owing someone so the authenticity and the, the honor keeps flowing as it relates to exposing the dark that has been very detrimental to our nation as well as our other American citizens. So um, this is the thing I think people kind of keep forgetting about what his major, what his real grassroots platform was as it relates to other uh, folks who held office historically, you know, took special interest money and went in and then it was business as usual. In light of all of this, you know, this impeachment, the the, the light that I see at the end of the tunnel is is really the constituents across the nation who have repeatedly put certain folks in office, you know, based on just their name and who they are. But I think uh, the optimism for me is a lot of people are going to start paying attention to, like, do we really want to send so-and-so back in office, or do we really – so – I'm optimistic that people will really pay attention to their local races, their their county commissions, their city councils, their state reps, their congressional, their senate, and take a close, close look at some of the candidates or some of the new folks that want to come in instead of the folks that's been business as usual who have birthed their uh, office and their elected spots based on the backing of special interest and bad lobbying so this is the optimism I'm seeing and our nation is resurrecting people who want to come serve and do the, the best will and the righteous will of the people and not be holding to the special interests and bad lobbying, which has put us in these terrible situations from an economic standpoint as well as socially. So um, this, this is very exciting. It really is. I'm, I'm just resurrecting great leaders across the nation that want to come serve.
1: Well, it, it's amazing because uh, my county council, when they see me show up in a meeting, you hear a, a collective, oh, no. Uh, but I tell tell my listeners that all politics starts local. And if we don't pay yes. attention to what our county council, our city council are doing, they're going to get something done to pull the wool over your eyes. And don't forget that these yep. people later on go up to become your state representatives, state senators, and then go up into the House and yep. to the Senate and maybe even run for president. Um, I attacked my county council because someone along the way got pissed off at one citizen that was disruptive during council meetings and was demanding transparency. He wasn't polite about how he did it. uh, Being disrespectful is not against the law. So they crafted the ordinance which would make it a criminal act punishable by jail time and a fine if you were disrupted, if you went over your three minutes, um, if you hmm. addressed a council member directly, uh, it, it was all these innocuous little things. You know, it's within yep. the letter of the law, but rewriting making the first it a crime. And I stood, I stood before them. I raised my right hand and I said on July 15th, 1986, I swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and the laws of this land and. I said, I stand before you here, and those of you know me, I live this and do this every day. I got them to turn around and say, we're looking at amending that and removing the criminal. I went even further. I got a hold of my state senator and said, this, there's nothing in our state uh, leg, uh, law that mandates county council has a public uh, comment. There's nothing in there. So they can meet, make whatever decisions with no public input. So he's going to amend the state law and I've got them to amend the county ordinance. but it starts locally and then it moves up the food chain.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of scary when you think about it from a perspective of the first amendment on how, um, you know, it's like just because you don't agree with someone you want to go figure out a way to circumvent this great constitution that we have that gives us the freedom of speech and, and, you know, you saw the suppression on our, our, you know, college campuses where the president had to weigh in, like, hold up now. You know, if you keep attacking some of the conservative kids that want to have a voice on the campus, we'll cut the money off. And it got everyone's attention. And it's sad that we went down that path to where we did have to have this conversation quite respectfully, you know, in terms of why are we even having this? It's, it's You seem like it would be a no-brainer based on what the Constitution was provided for us. So... Um, You know, it's like I said, this is part of the, quote, uh, control, alt, delete, as I say, as President Trump has um, came in to, uh, you know, back up this reformation that this nation is having and uh, getting back to, uh, you know, some of the the basic grassroots of who we are as a nation. We've gotten kind of lost on that, and I think this is an awakening, and and it has nothing to do with party. It really doesn't. It has everything to do with Good old-fashioned common sense, and good old-fashioned, you know, Americans as who we are and why we were a country and how we came from. You know, yeah, we have some some, some bumps and bruises in our history, but we can get better. And um, you know, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of uh, you know turmoil, especially on the Democrat side, as it relates to Bernie being a socialist in terms of you know you saw the entire. Their entire candidates raised their hand and said that they would fund Medicare or fund uh, illegal uh, immigrants. And, And it's just bizarre, you know, when we look at some of our minority communities and how dare you would even think about a socialist agenda when it's just now getting to a point where we're getting, you know, rising out of some of the ashes in some of our communities to where, as the president says, what the heck do you have to lose? some of these cities and counties that have been ruled for 60, 70 years under one particular party where there has been no gain in terms of school, there has been no gain in terms of economic development. And now we have these beautiful opportunity zones to where, hey, you know, we can take investments and come in some of these underserved communities and build new stores and build new apartments and homes and put some level of hope into resurrecting some of these uh, lost communities and addressing the school choice, which you saw in the State of the Union. And then going back, and as he stated to me in a a room back in 2015 on the disconnect in black communities as it relates to uh, opportunities as well as jobs and hope, and not to mention the 94 Clinton crime bill, who one of their top candidates now, Joe Biden, authored the bill, of the Clinton crime bill in 94, that totally, totally um, disenfranchised and decimated the black community under some of these crazy uh, sentencing guidelines under the Clinton crime bill, which the president noticed that. And you saw that was a $10 million ad in the Super Bowl to saying, hey, I see this. I see what's going on. Let me put a $10 million investment in here. Let's have this discussion even more as he was victorious in getting the Step 1 Act approved and, and signed into law into releasing some of these nonviolent offenders, obviously, who have 20, 30 years for possession of a bag of weed and et cetera. You know, so this is, this is a true champion in the Oval Office, and I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's actually going to get better. Um, and what rises in job creation, as you saw the numbers today, is the consumer confidence. You know, when American people have confidence in their nation and their communities, they get stronger and they get very motivated, and which makes it even bigger and stronger. And I think the consumer confidence in the last few years has been just astronomical um, as it relates to a sense of security of someone who has the best interests of their, of their safety as well as our troops and being behind them. And then you remember, when you're trying to develop something, or build something, if there's no sense of security or safety, there's no development, there's no economic movement. And so this in itself in terms of the world not being attacked and, you know, holding Kim Jong, you know, to the fire, shooting missiles over Japan and that coming to a halt. And then after 60-something years, he sends our, our beautiful soldiers' remains home that he's been holding hostage over in North Korea for over 60 years. I mean, the list goes on.
1: Yeah, I I watched the State of the Union. I did not watch the Super Bowl. I mean, ever since Kaepernick started that craze of kneeling instead of standing and saluting the flag, um, I kind of lost interest. It's unfortunate because I've been a several fan of uh, Green Bay Packers since I was eight years old and loved football. As a matter of fact, one year I came up in second in the football pool because I had the best picks. It's a shame, but I watched the State of the Union, and it had me in times in absolute tears uh, because of the people he honored and the things that he did during the State of the Union, the Tuskegee Airman and his great-grandson, was absolutely yeah. beautiful. And being yeah. promoted to general right then and there um, to honoring uh, Jody's brother that was – Killed by an illegal immigrant And all the other things The little girl you mentioned With the uh, school choice scholarship That had me to tears right. And all the stuff he did During that State of the Union I, I thought it yep. was the best I have ever heard I mean, he Outstripped Ronald Reagan I have to say um, yeah. And then to see Absolutely. Nancy Pelosi To rip up the speech and, and You know that was scripted yeah. That was planned she, she practiced that in front of a mirror just to make sure yep. the camera got her just right, with Trump's yep. back to her, and,
5: yeah, and she I was them, so disgusted. She, yeah, she kind yeah. of tore them a little bit to where she was going to tear them. That was that the, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, um, and this gets back to <clears throat> earlier in the conversation about ho- hoping the constituents pay a real close attention to this and about who they're going to. Every two years, elect back to their Congress and just really pay attention to this and ask yourself, hey, does this person have the best interest of who we are and our constituents in our neighborhoods? You see a lot of these cities are, are coming to light, like you saw the, what happened in the exchange in Baltimore and other cities in California. God bless our homeless situation and some of the, the, the worst troubling uh, communities are the ones who are the most vocal and the most should I say, activist as a congressman and not an actual congressperson. You know, I've actually talked about this many times on, on many networks, you know, major networks as it relates to do we elect our congressperson to go fight for jobs and transportation and, and our vets, or do we send them up there to be a Twitter activist? And that's something that, you know, as us as citizens, as as the listeners, you know, it's it's who – we are it's our responsibility on who we send up there and paying attention and being a part like you said earlier all the most important races are the ones that affect you locally the zonings you know the judges superior court probate judges you know um, your county commission your city council your school board members and how they're going to redistrict your school or how they're going to rezone you for apartments or, or storm waters that and putting a waste transfer next to your church all these things, and I think, you know, respectfully, this should be an awakening to all American citizens to like, really pay attention to your local races as well as who you're sending to Congress. Do you want someone to fight for you, or do you want a, a popular Twitter activist that stirs up more trouble with the White House and the president instead of trying to figure out a way to build a new bridge or the new infrastructure to help your community? So this is the light and the optimism that I see that unfortunately the president had to endure. And, you know, one has to see the light, you know, even though it does look dark, you know, as a believer. And that's just the, I think the American people are seeing that also as well as the president. So you can throw whatever you want, but I'm still going to do the right thing.
1: Yeah. And I got to admit, it's my state Senator, um, Tim Scott that put together that community uh, opportunity zone. So Tim's a great guy Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, I'm glad that he was able to implement that because it's so important. And yeah. uh it, it's up yeah, to so the people president that would have not had the had hope. of the
5: union. Yeah, you saw the president acknowledge him in the State of the Union. You know, um and you know, a lot of people criticize or they'll say a comment and I said, You know what, so what's your plan? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a it's one percent better than no percent versus zero percent. You know, so um yeah you know it it's 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 uh we can get better and um I'm excited going into november you know i i think uh you know we're we're gonna resurrect a new generation to really pay attention to our our process and who we're putting there and and do that person have the best interest for us and um you know it's a working process you gotta remember he's unraveling an institution that's been pretty much business as usual for the last several decades, you know, outside of Ronald Reagan. The rest has been pretty much business as usual, unfortunately. So, um, we're going to you know, get I, better. And what did he say? I, 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 the I, best is yet to come. As, as,
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I do believe that because if he was able to take 7 million people off of food stamps and 10 million people off of welfare, that means these individuals yep. are out there in a job finally able to afford the housing and the clothes and everything else that they probably could not have afforded, you know, in the past. They're no longer dependent upon government, but they are dependent upon themselves. What a marvelous feeling. And how many people that they've done this to are going to realize that and realize that we as the Republican party have the better message and that we are actually out there. Working for the average working man, and the Democrats are no longer doing that,
5: yeah, yeah, and you know it's sad because I remember um when Newt Gingrich, he' was from Georgia, we talked about this, and you know um uh, I remember when he was Speaker of the House, and Clinton was the president. it was a uh, some exchanges back and forth that at least they shut the door and try to figure out something, and you know i i you know I remember the president on one time on ABC News in the campaign. Saying you know he doesn't want the party any party just to just totally fall apart. He says you know it is a system and it's designed to agree to disagree and you know get in there and roll your sleeves up and come up with a with a solution. It was never designed where just one side ruled the other side the other side. And I think you know I feel that you see what's going on as it relates to to Bernie's crowd and that socialist crowd that's really trying to hijack you know, the Democrat party itself. So, you know, they're going through their, their, uh, you know, should I say, I wouldn't say growing pains, but their, their bumps and bruises because they realize that, you know, this is not how our forefathers, you know, intended this, this Republic to be, you know, is this degree and disagree not to just, you know, tramp over one side and the other side, just go totally rogue, you know, to a, a, a you know, an ideology, of socialism which has never been proven to be successful in the history of the world. And you scratch your head and wonder how is anyone even supporting this? Where is this coming from? And, um, you know, one can argue just understanding the, the education of basic civics that's been kind of taken out of our schools to, to get our youngsters to understand how this nation was built and how our process works because most people don't even have a clue. And you can actually, you know, I always, always have this mail test where, who's someone who's engaged in the community? Just ask them a few basic questions on who their county commissioner is, or who their city council is, or who their state house rep. If they don't have a clue, then that tells you right there, the disconnect and how the special interests can rely on folks who are disconnected, so they can drive their agendas, and put who they want in there instead of the people. So that's the optimism that I see in terms of how the president's going to resurrect people to really start paying attention to just go in there, and not so much as Republican, Democrat, but just what is right and what what parallels and what runs with the way this Constitution was written for this great nation. And that's essentially what we want in a leader is what we want, who's going to uh, stand behind that and be a champion of that and not some warped ideology of socialism or some other type of ism that is trying to be enforced on our great republic.
1: You know, I, I think in a lot of ways, this episode with the investigation and the impeachment actually raised Trump up more than anyone else could have done. It, it was the best publicity for him as president and reelection that we could have asked for. And the Dems just did us a huge, big favor. And now they're threatening. Now they're threatening another investigation. And they're going to look like the complete fools. Or as we say in the South here showing his ass, um, it's it's gonna just guarantee it'll be a landslide victory of not just the Electoral College but of the national popular vote.
5: Right. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um you know, I you know, I think at the end of the day and, and you know, this is another thing that really disturbs me how uh I know Boudreau and some other folks wanting to just totally do away with the electoral process. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, it, it, when you when you think back, and our, our our founders were so ahead of their time to realize how important it is to have our electoral college because obviously some you know populations are larger in certain parts of the region of the U.S. and some aren't, and how totally left behind some of the rural areas of smaller populations would be. Had we not had that process, and I thought that was just so, you know, you're like, God had to be into that vision, you know, that many years ago to understand, but, you know, the left says, well, if we can just dismantle that, then we can really get a control, you know, of this country, which is so dangerous, and you have actually people who are running on platforms wanting to do away with the electoral process, college process, it's it's just bizarre, I'm like, You know, it's almost like, as as my grandmother would say, she said, baby, what Bible are you reading? (laughs) Or what what book are you reading? So, um, you know, um, I think that's another disturbing part that we actually have candidates in these United States of America that are advocating to do away with the electoral process, which is just totally, totally un-American. And it would just totally devastate some of our smaller populations across our great nation. And, and and that's the sad part about it right there, that they actually are selling that wolf ticket. And, to, you know, and, and you're just sitting here scratching your head, like where in the world did you live and where is this coming from? So, you know, but, you know, it's, uh, well, once again, I'm optimistic. I think the president's going to, is awakening uh, folks and getting them to pay attention and to understand you know how critical we were, almost to the edge of being pushed off the uh, edge, ledge, should I say? Had he not been, uh, had he not won the presidency?
1: No, I, I think that one way to kill the national popular vote movement is if Trump were to make it a landslide victory with the popular vote. You know, because they, right. they were screaming about in Iowa caucus that Bernie Sanders. Uh, has had won the popular vote. So how did he not win the Iowa caucus? Um, I right. got a caller in on the line and I, this is possibly Curtis. If you can check to see if this is our next guest, cause it looks like a Skype number here. Um, if it is our next guest, I'm going to ask him to press one. That way I'll know it's here. But, uh, Bruce, I, there's so much to talk about with this presidency and the marvelous things that he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, with the, uh, uh, with the prison reform, uh, that he's put forward, Uh, there's a lot more that can be done. Now that he's got the power of the people behind him, we just might see it, Um, but trying to get it past the House at this point in time is going to be like Mm -hmm. pulling teeth. And that's going to be our main problem, getting something out of the House to the Senate.
5: Well, you know, I think these these next elections across this country, because, you know, the congressional races are every two years, I think uh, uh, a lot of folks, you know, I'm very optimistic they're going to scratch their head and wake up. It's like, "Mm, do we really want to send this person back through here again? Were they really effective? (laughs) And, you know, I I think that a lot of them folks are going to get challenged. I really really believe that, you know. Um, They may not believe that, but I think it's going to happen because, you know, you're going to look around. I remember – I had a conversation with a a gentleman that lives here in the south part of Atlanta, and he's voted Democrat his entire life, and he owned a janitorial business for like 40 years, hardworking man. And I said, you know, I won't say his name, but I said, you know, um, we were talking about the race in 2016. I said, you know, look around you. Do you like your schools? Do you like your roads? He's like, no. I said, "Well, well, let's try something different let the other ticket for and, and see, give them a chance. And if they don't work out in four years, go back. And he said, you know, no one ever mm-hmm. really just broke that down so simple. I said, well, it's very simple. I said, because, you know, humans, sometimes we're, we're creatures of habit. And I said, but you have to ask yourself, is, is, am I happy with this? Is this working? And if it's not, try something different. And I think when the president made that, that call to the nation, what the heck do you have to lose? Hey, give us a chance. It's very bold and profound, yes, it comes out very strong, but hey, why not? you know, why not give us a chance? you know, so I think this time nope. around, people are really going to take that he.
1: Well, right now we've got a caller that wants to ask a question. I want to remind those that are listening in on the studio. I see a lot of phone numbers up there. If you do want to ask a question of our guest, please press one. Uh, Otherwise, I'm assuming that you're only going to be listening in. Let's bring aboard Ernie from Florida. He's a friend of the show, and I'm waiting. There we go, Ernie. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard. Our guest is Bruce, Bruce Lavelle, and he is with the he's the executive director, to be correct, of the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. NDCTrump.com uh, Go ahead Ernie
6: Hi I, I um, wrote a Little thing after the impeachment Hearing uh, The 18th of December I'd like to share it with y'all And um, Then I I have another thing God's answer to America And But this is I hope the president gets gets this but it's after the impeachment hearing America looked into your eyes and saw them fill with pain you've always held your head up high now you're defending your name you reached deep inside your heart and found the strength to fight for god give it to you when america prayed one night god wanted you to tell as many as you could about his plan about his grace, and you told him that you would. In your walk with Jesus, you found love you you never knew. From friends, family, and from God, spiritually, you grew. America loves you more than life itself. It's been a battle for us all, but God would get us through it. He will never let America fall. Mr. President, You are America's hero. And then this, you know, I shared with y'all quite a bit about eight weeks before the election how God revealed to me that uh, President Trump was going to win the election. But this is God's answer to America. America asked God to save our nation God sent a builder with the heart of a lion and eyes of an eagle, but with a slightly tilted halo. Like the stone that was rejected in order to complete the temple, this man, too, is rejected to make America great again. The stone Liberty holds in her left hand, the keystone, it gives the arch its strength as our Constitution protects freedom and keeps America strong. Our Constitution is America's benchmark. It should never, ever be changed or moved. President Trump's heart is true. His love for God, family, country is strong. His goal to make America great again is backed by faith that America will unite one nation under God again. With his pen and tariffs, not bombs and bullets, putting America first, Fair trade deals, factories and jobs are returning. America's respected again. President Trump is God's answer to America. The world can't buy him, but they have to deal with him. Good for America, good for the world. Is he the last Trump before the trumpet sound?
1: (laughs) Wow. What do you say to that person? That
6: was That was pretty good (laughs) Wow I think
5: You're missing your calling
6: (laughs) I would love to get with you And uh, I have So much and I have something That is so dynamic That if the Republican party got a hold of it That It would absolutely Has the potential to change the world and mm, well, wow. Bruce, he, but I need, I get need, a hold of me. well, Bruce, Curtis, he knows how to get a hold of to by get a hold ND, and everything. But you know, well, Ernie, Ernie, hang on, yeah, Ernie, I'm hang listening. on a
1: second, because if you go to the website that I have up here, ndctrump.com, that's N uh-huh. as in Nancy D. David C, tr- as in Charlie Trump, ndctrump.com which is the National Diversity Coalition for Trump, you can reach Bruce through that website. Correct, Bruce?
5: Yes, that's correct.
6: Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Mm That will be great. Thanks, uh, Ernie, for the call.
6: One thing that I got out of y'all's conversation today is America's identity. Who were we and who are we now?
1: Wow. Thanks, Ernie. All right. God bless. All right. um, Bruce, I want to thank you for being with us. Um, It's been very fun. You know, we always have fun on the show with you and everyone that Gabrielle sends (laughs) over to us from the RNC. And thank you and God bless you for the hard
5: work you do. Uh, You know you're going to be
1: back on again.
5: (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care. All right. And we do have just a few minutes uh, for the guests that we've been trying to reach for the last half hour. I want to welcome to the show comic book author Martin Gregg. He's the author of the wildly political comic book, Little Adam Shit. Good afternoon, uh, and finally glad to have you on, Martin.
0: Hey, I'm sorry that I'm late. I was actually, uh, we're adding a page to the comic book of uh, Nancy Pelosi carrying up the uh, the State of the Union. So I was just drawing, and I lost track of time. I apologize to your audience.
1: Um, <laughs> and to well, we only. Well, it's just a shame because we had. Uh, put out a full half hour for you um, while my co-host tries to call our next guest is scheduled at 4:30, but the comic book i i printed out and i gave it to my husband to read and he loved it and i wanted to see what part two is going to look like because in the comic book that you did you cover everything from um the start of the election night where everyone thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win, and also the next thing, was a crying fest for everyone on the left, uh, all the way through to the links between Shift and Pelosi and the investigation. And I loved how on the second page, you have flush twice, it's a long way to CNN. And the reason you uh-huh. have that, you show Adam Shift throughout the comic book with his pants around his ankles sitting on a toilet. Or as we call it the throne. We've called it the throne in our house since I remember.
0: But it's wildly annoying. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, we did it because um uh we thought that um he must do a lot of reading and a lot of um expressive thought. And where else do you do more of that than, than on the toilet? So and plus <laughs> he's a little shift head. So we have him on the <laughs> toilet constantly. If you notice, he's always talking to Nancy Pelosi while she is uh, praying in church on the pew because Nancy's always mm-hmm. praying and Adam Schiff is always pooping. So get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Listen, part two, that's a very good question. Part two, I think you're going to see um, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Strzok, Page, and this is this, – you're going to hear this for the first time because I don't think anybody has reported this. But I think Rosenstein's going to be in there too, and I think they're all going to be – you ever see the last episode of Seinfeld where they're all, they're all in prison hanging out? Well, that's no. what's going to happen. With no, that. I actually never they're saw the last one. All, the last episode of Seinfeld was all of them went to prison. So in this episode, Schiff, Pelosi, all of them are going to be hanging out in prison together, and they're going to be out in the back playing prison football. And Nancy Pelosi is going to be the ref. We're going to have we're going to have a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think they're all. I think that the plot to take down the president is going to go in reverse now. And you know, I got to tell you something. Devin Nunes is a superhero where I come from. That's why he's in a cape in the back. Because that man did everything he could. Everybody thought he was crazy, a Looney Tune. He's the one that really saved the president. It was Devin Nunes. So. Um, the part, the, the point of the comic is basically to show that what happened in a satire way, but it's not really satire. Is that they literally try to frame the president? Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, and he always comes out on top. So I think what we're what we're seeing is we're we're seeing a, a change in America now, where his poll numbers are high. Everybody's starting to see what's going. Ninety percent optimism. So, you know, while the comic book is a joke. Um, and it's meant to be a joke, but it is a real story. I think we hit on every point that you could possibly hit on in the, in the investigation, and it just shows you how crazy it is. It's, it's a Tom Clancy novel, but I really feel bad, and so I did it as a, as a joke. I'm not like a crazy right-winger. Um, I am a Republican, but I think this had to go in the right-wing way to tell the, tell the story about how the left tried to take down the right and how they failed, and how they always fail. And so
1: well, you know, that's
0: the premise of, of oh, the I, comic book. And like, what?
1: Well, I wanted to mention that in there, you have the FBI lovebirds, and a, a friends of ours are the ones that put together that play uh, that has Dean <laughs> Cain in it. And it was announced today CPAP. that CPAT is going to host the play live at CPAT. Can you imagine? That will now be broadcast nationwide, watch people watching CPAC. And and that's going to be absolutely amazing to see that. And, you know, people can get your comic book. I believe it's up on Amazon, correct?
0: It's up on Amazon. It's on BNN. It's everywhere. Everywhere books are sold.
1: Well, if people are listening to the show, they just click on the show description by your name. Click on Little Adam Shit, S-C-H-I-T-T. Uh, and it'll take you directly to that link. I'm surprised Amazon hasn't pulled your book yet.
0: You know they're, they're
1: known well, to take conservative stuff off. Oh, they, they did. did. But you got
0: it back. Yeah, so they they did it once. We got them to put it back up after PGA Media exposed them. And uh, and then what they did was they raised the price to fifteen thirty nine uh, when it was re- when it's supposed to be nine ninety nine. They raised it. And then what they did was they sold it sold by. Uh, Bookseller US or no book depository US, and then you Google. Well, who's this place? It's an Amazon-owned company. So Amazon got me twice, and then finally, you know, we had a talk with them. And we got them to take that the, the higher price point down because the fans should buy it at 9.99, and if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But buy ten. Everybody buy ten for all ten of your friends. Well, you like got a chain reaction. reaction. <laughs> well, you got to send me a signed, co-
1: uh, uh, a signed copy for me. You know, tell Quint that you're going to send me one, and uh, I'll be happy to to display it over here. But I'm sorry, we didn't have more time with you, Martin. But yeah, I, I guess t- maybe t- we t- can t- have. T- well, we're going to have to have you come back on, so we can have a lot more fun with this. Uh, and good luck on it. Uh, people can go to Amazon.com, Little Adam Schitt, S-C-H-I-T-T by the and comic author
0: Martin Greg. That I haven't done for okay. any other show that I've been on. I'm going to give you three autographed copies to give away to your, your
7: listeners for my tardiness. Okay?
0: Oh, that'll be awesome. That will be absolutely awesome.
1: Thank you so much, Martin. And I'll be talking with you All right.
0: soon. All right. Thank you. Bye.
1: All right. Right, Martin Gregg, and I apologize for not getting him on earlier, but as he said, he was working on the second part of the comic book. And we got our next guest waiting in on the line. Let's bring him along. Dylan Howard, he's the author of Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Good afternoon, Dylan. How are you today?
8: It's great to be with you. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, it is our pleasure. I mean, I read through your book, and I ended up – when you sent me the electronic copy – how many pages of notes did I have? Oh jeez! Uh, <laughs> I think I have twenty pages of notes <laughs>
8: um and yes it's it's, a, it's a, it certainly is an eye i eye, eye raising eyebrow raising uh read
1: yeah, and to realize that this guy has been getting away with what he has been doing, not just for a couple of years but for decades, for absolute decades. Well, wasn't 30 well, years. Well, that's
8: exactly right. I mean, at the very heart of this is a question of what did the government know, when did the government know, and why they didn't intervene. The reality is that Jeffrey Epstein led a life of crime from the very outset. He was someone who was kicked out of Bear Stearns on Wall Street, somebody whom... Uh, was alleged to have been involved in insider trading, then was involved in a Ponzi scheme um, with uh, Towers Financial. His partner was jailed for 18 years. He was uh, set, he was not charged. Then ran a uh, complex sex trafficking operation that was halted in the mid 2000s. Uh, after the FBI handed off its investigation to local law enforcement that ultimately ended up prosecuting him on one count of abuse of a minor, despite the fact that they had 32 victims. And then, of course, he was arrested when he arrived back from France at Teterborough Airport in New Jersey uh, in mid-2019. But here is someone, as I said, who led a life of crime, yet never, ever was held to account... Really, even in the mid-2000s in Florida, until, of course, his arrest in 2019. And one of the key revelations of the book is that there was a reason for that. There was a reason why he was a protected individual. The government knew of his sex trafficking enterprise, but they also knew that he was an international spy working for Israelis Mossad, the equivalent of the CIA. They turn a blind eye to that, as they have with many other instances where uh, individuals have spied on the U.S. on behalf of Israel. And as conspiratorial as that may sound in Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, we actually talk to the man who was his spy handler and who was Ghislaine Maxwell, his uh, close friend and confidant spy handler, uh, Ari Ben Mashani.
1: You know, what's what's funny is you now we everyone knows of the alleged suicide in a Manhattan prison. Um but why isn't his partner Ghislaine, why has she not been charged? Why is it no one goes after her? She was as complacent as he was.
8: Well, I mean the the question must be, be raised at this point. Um where is she? Is she being harbored by the massad because she is the custodian and benefactor of his spying secrets his spying secrets are obviously information which is highly valuable um is she in israel and being looked after by the Mossad, or is as according to reports she's in the midwest running from safe house to safe house under guard from former U.S. Navy SEALs. I find the latter very hard to believe. But there's no doubt in my mind that she is a uh, potential target of the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigation that is looking into alleged co-conspirators in the Epstein Crime Syndicate. And that would also include potentially pilots, uh, chauffeurs, staffers that worked at the House, anyone that knew of his operations but didn't blow the whistle on it because... They obviously wanted to protect their own uh, position within the criminal syndicate. And make no doubt, make no mistake about it, this was a criminal syndicate.
1: You know, what I found interesting was the part about the chauffeurs, uh, the ones that were hired privately over at Teterboro Airport because they said they would come in with three cars. And every time he called for the limos, the drivers would say, oh, here comes the pedophile before any of this came out as public knowledge even they were aware that something was wrong but they couldn't say anything because if they did they'd lose their job and how they're going to feed their family would they be able to find work somewhere else would their lives be ruined if they opened their mouth
8: uh, yeah i mean absolutely that 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 struck me throughout the course of the investigation that we conducted as somewhat perplexing. I think if you knew that someone was being abused and they were underage repeatedly, and they saw, you know, a, a, a steady stream of young women um, and high-profile individuals within the uh, orbit of Jeffrey Epstein, you anyone with a moral compass would blow the whistle on that. And I think that is what um, is perhaps the most frightening about this, that everybody knew what was going on um, and everybody also knew what was going on as a result of the 2000 investigation in Palm Beach County, yet he still was able to ingratiate himself after release from prison in the rich and powerful circles of Manhattan's social elite and continue on with his spying operation and his sex trafficking ring and I think that no one's really been held to account for that at this stage and that is why myself and and my two co authors on this book, Melissa Cronin and James Robertson, are very much looking forward to releasing our sequel about this called epstein Inc how the u s government used blackmail sex trafficking. And and made it big business The reality I believe is that um, Both sets of the political aisle Knew what was going on But because of those that were compromised Simply turned a blind eye
1: You know the the depth that this goes into And how young some of these kids were And you go into detail uh, Once he was finally truly arrested About the searches that went on On his various properties and the pornography and other items and the very disturbing pictures that were hanging on the wall in all these houses. And then the safes, the treasure troves of DVDs and 8 millimeters and documents and photos that was just exposed. And the public doesn't know about any of this.
8: No, and a lot of that evidence has not been released. And I think at the very core of that evidence is the extent of the operation that he undertook, not the sex trafficking, but the um, the spying operation. Now, we know that he rubbed shoulders with the likes of Bill Gates, Bill Clinton, Stephen Hawking, many other rich and powerful individuals. Um ...sorted allegations have been made against Bill Richardson, the former governor of New Mexico, Prince Andrew and others. We don't know whether they were intimately involved in this sex trafficking op- operation. But what what is certain is that, you know, Bill Clinton has sought to minimise his involvement with Epstein... He said that he only traveled on the so-called Blue Leader Express a handful of times. Well, in our book, we expose that it was actually 28 times. And I'm not, for one, th- suggesting or thinking that he was involved in anything nefarious with underage women. But this was at a time when his wife was a senator <laughs> and the secretary of state. So they're talking about issues of international diplomacy, the U.S. government's position on various international issues and that information being passed back to the Israeli government is a very powerful tool for Jeffrey Epstein and that is how he was able to amass His six hundred million dollar fortune without seemingly having a job because he was being paid by the Israelis
1: well, what, I, what I found interesting is his rise and fall this guy was like a cat, just kept on springing back with nine lives. At one point, he lost his entire fortune. And then he was able to con his way in, get himself another position where he rebuild it. And the oddest thing is, is the changing of his will just a matter of days before his alleged suicide into a trust so that even if the victims came forward to sue the estate, they can't touch anything.
8: Yes, very very true. But one must also ask the question. He was involved in a company called Towers Financial. That was a Ponzi scheme, the largest Ponzi scheme in American history prior to Bernie Madoff's arrest. His business partner in that enterprise, Stephen Hoffenberg, former owner of the New York Post, was jailed for 18 years. Epstein got off scot-free, walked away from that Ponzi scheme with a significant amount of money. That money could have been used as restitution for the victims in the wake of his Florida arrest. It wasn't. And this, again, strikes at the very heart of the cover-up, the cover-up about who knew what, when they knew, and why they didn't do anything about it. Ultimately, Jeffrey Epstein was the man who knew too much, and now Ghislaine Maxwell is the woman who knows too much.
1: You know, if you read how he ended up building this empire in your book, and it is very, very detailed, how he would get these young girls high school girls, junior high school girls, and, oh, you can make some money if you give this man a massage. And here they're thinking they're going to be trained to become a masseuse, they'll have a career once they get out of high school, something to do, I'll get some on-hands training here and now, and maybe even line up some customers. And it just built from there, from a little bit of a rub into certain acts, and then, hey, listen, you want to earn extra money? Bring friends. And had these young girls, and they're so impressionable at that age. You know, the peer pressure. Hey, listen, you can make some extra Christmas money. Forget about babysitting for 10 or 15 bucks. You can make an easy 200 bucks in just a little while. Just one night, and you oh, just yeah, want it. You want to make more money? Do more.
8: It, it was a predatory uh, sequence of events that led these young vulnerable women into the grasp of Jeffrey Epstein with the help of others that helped procure these young ladies for him and destroyed their lives. Uh, we've spoken to countless victims and read the harrowing accounts of victims. I personally actually know, as is a close friend of mine, one of the women who was abused by him at a young age, and I know the profound impact it's had on her life. Um... And ironically, I've known this individual for 10 years and it wasn't until his arrest six months ago that she told me that she was a victim of Jeffrey Epstein and subsequently her name has been revealed. But the way in which this person preyed upon individuals uh, on the lower socioeconomic element of society, but also using his connection to Lex Wesner, um, who owns Victoria's Secret, to um, get... Other women, through uh, the temptation of being involved with Victoria's Secret, of modelling, for example, in a catalogue, or being involved with the brand, he also used that to leverage his heinous activities. He was, in many accounts, the world's largest and most significant pedophile, which, of course, is not, <laughs> not, not, a, uh, not a claim to fame that anyone would want to have.
1: Well, we've got a caller in with a question. Do you want to take a question?
8: Of course, yes.
1: Okay. Uh, Let's bring this person on. And if I can get, there we go. Uh, You're on the air live with Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio chick. Our guest is um, Dylan Howard, author of Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. To whom am I speaking?
2: My name is Scott.
1: Scott, you have a question for our
9: author?
2: I do. Um, I believe um
9: I was molested by Epstein when I was younger. I'm pretty sure of it.
6: But I was young I was younger. I wasn't
0: you know, it wasn't like I was a grown up or nothing. I was younger. And um
2: he did something to my butthole. Um
1: was there any uh record of boys being uh molested? Dylan?
8: No, not to my knowledge.
1: Well, thank you for the call caller not to, i he only went after girls, so I don't think uh, the caller is legitimate um but if it is true, then uh I wish he would get himself some help anyway uh that's the whole thing. We don't know how many victims we only know who came forward. there could be thousands out there that we have no knowledge because you'd have one girl tell her friends and you instead of just one girl, you've got five and those five tell their friends and this is how he built his empire by using a spider web idea. Uh, there's, a, there's also something called the monkey theory that came out of an island on Japan and they learned that if a monkey learned to make a tool, that monkey told 10 others, those 10 each told 10 and it would just spread out like that. I mean, he used that ideal to build his empire.
8: Absolutely. I mean, he traded off the back of his uh, connections. He built those connections. He maintained those connections. And that is ultimately what um, allowed him to get away with this behavior for for so very long. He, um, he was a narcissistic sociopath who... Um, was able to, even after his conviction, rub shoulders with the rich and powerful who really didn't seem to care that he was a convicted sex offender. And I think that is perhaps one of the most frightening things about uh, this uh, operation, that, that individuals allowed him to continue his spate of abuse, his ongoing crimes, seemingly without consequence. It is a, a frightening realisation that that can occur here in the United States uh, In the uh, right up until mid-2019. I must unfortunately leave. Thank you very much for having me on the program. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for the detailed questioning. Oh,
1: my oh, pleasure welcome. and I look forward to the sequel. So good luck, Dylan. Thank you very much. People Thank you very much Um, People, if you're interested in his book On the show description is a link to the book Up on Amazon, just click on Epstein, Dead Man Tell No Tales uh, By Dylan Howard and his co-authors Curtis, in about Eight more minutes We're going to have our next guest call in He's running for Congress out of California District 7
0: Um, Well, I just wanted to say, say
3: Well What are the chances that Bill Clinton went to that island 28 times and all he went there for was just to look at the sunrise
1: well it wasn't just to the island these are trips all throughout Europe and the United States and the Caribbean so you know the Lita Express was an excuse to go up to the Mile High Club have fun with your little girl and fly <laughs> back down which is what a lot of a lot of this happened just flying over New Jersey and they would say that, you know, the limo guys would drop them off at the airplane. Three hours later, the plane would land and out everyone would come. Now, tell me, tell me. And if in the book he describes what the inside of the airplane looks like, it was a bordello mm. on wings. So not, it, mm. very simple. So, you know, it's. It, it's impossible to not realize what was going on. And you gotta remember he's got he had a place out in Nevada, uh he had the place in Florida, in Palm Beach, he had the 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 uh, place in Manhattan, and he had the one in the Virgin Islands. That's four different locations he could fly people to for their little week or two weeks of whatever. And he a lot of the book is rather graphic about what happening to these young girls and we will never know the number of, of young women that are dealing with this today and in their stories about how he even got these girls hooked on drugs on opioids he knew if he can keep them addicted yeah. he will keep them doing what he wants and some Most, of the stuff was weird really
3: but i would i would say that um people like bill clinton and prince andrew and anybody else that hung out with Epstein um, had to know about him, just like um, in the Harvey Weinstein case. You know, they all knew what he did. They just didn't say anything. So, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: We and know obviously it was
1: enough. I mean. Well, obviously it was <laughs> enough that when Donald Trump, you know, found out, he barred him from entering onto Mar-a-Lago. <clears throat> So if, if you get barred from yeah. Donald Trump's you know, hotel, there's something wrong. Definitely something wrong. But if you can only, on suspicions, you can't say much. But if you know in fact, and these are individuals that were involved in fact, the, the cooks and the cleaners in these mansions had to have seen what was going on. Come on. There was the limo drivers that had to have seen something going on. And all these people could have come forward. And in the book, he describes how some of these young girls who eventually did get away, what they went through, you know, homelessness, drug addiction, Mm -hmm. prostitution, Uh, some of them were so ashamed that they never even told their parents until it was years later. And here's a story of one father. The household was troubled. Um, She got involved with doing um, uh, some work at Mar-a-Lago. Where she was working as a masseuse, you know, in training, and Jeffrey Epstein said, "No, we will train you. We will pay you, and we will train you to become a masseuse." She's thinking, "Hey, I'm going to get more money than Trump is paying me," so he lured her away from there, and she became his sex slave, his personal sex slave for a new for a long time. And what she went through, and when the father found out what was going on, how he tried to get her out. And how she ended up being lured in again, and he tried to rescue her again. There's another story of a girl. She was smart enough to realize that when she started the massage, something was wrong. And she never went as far as Epstein wanted her to go. She just did the massage and got herself out of there. And she was crying because her friend lured her in there, her best friend, you know, Thought it was, It's okay. You know, take your top off. Let him do whatever he wants to. It's just, it doesn't mean anything. Wow, well,
2: yeah, what a the friend. Way girls
1: look at sex, yeah, the way girls look at sex is not the same way as a boy looks at sex. For us, it's a lot more intimate and mental than it is, you know, the physical aspect. So what these girls are going through is unbelievable. So I highly recommend this book. That's the Dead Men Tell No Tales that you can find up on Amazon. Um, it, is, it is eye-opening. And the fact that our government knew about it and the, the fact that he mentioned Palm Beach Police Department, they arrested him. They have 32 victims that came forward. He is charged with only one count, and he gets a slap on the wrist, a light sentence of 18 months, work release program. Now, this is a sex offender. Being put out there on a work release program, that's against every bit of protocol within the, the uh, prison uh, complex in Florida. If you're a sex offender, you are not supposed to be on a work release program. You should be on lockdown and no one should get near you. But he was let out. He was allowed to go to his office where he controlled yeah. sex trafficking. There is, he got
3: a slap on the wrist. Strong,
1: poss- strong possibility that when he was on this work release program, there were more girls he recruited and enslaved. So, you know, Palm, uh, Palm Beach prosecution has a lot to answer for that. You know, yeah, he had an ankle bracelet on. Oh, yeah? Well, read the book and you'll find out that ankle bracelet didn't prevent him from going to certain places he should not have been in. And the fact he had an ankle bracelet on should have triggered a lot of alarms. Uh, listen, I want to remind people that if you're looking for our chat room, there is a problem with the Blog Talk Radio system. We are unable to open the chat room on Blog Talk Radio, but we do have it open on Spreaker. So if you go to Spreaker.com, pull up SHR Media, SHR Media, and then scroll down to our show, Southern Sense. As a matter of fact, you should be playing right on top on shr media the chat room is open over there and i also have it open over on facebook where we have a watch party going on where you can see it live on uh, facebook and i will be putting it up later on onto youtube tonight so uh that said that said um we got a lot to talk about when uh buzz patterson calls in because there's so much going on and um Is this his first time Um, running
3: for office?
1: I don't think so. I think I had him on last when he was running for something else. I don't remember, Uh, but he's been on before. Um, One of the things I sent over to him that I do want to discuss with him, and I know uh, Tucker Carlson talked about this last night, which made me pull it up. It's called New Way Forward Act. And it's put by the Democratic House. I doubt if it'll ever get out of committee and go onto the Senate floor. And I know if it gets to Trump's desk, it will be an immediate, uh, immediate veto. But what they're trying to do with this new Way Forward Act is basically make it illegal to prosecute an illegal or deport an illegal alien. As a matter of fact, if a person has been deported by ICE, it offers a pathway back for that illegal to return. Now, how many people have we deported from MS-13 because they were here as illegal aliens? They committed a crime. We put them in prison. They did time. Once they get out of prison, there's an ICE detainer. We take them back across the border. This act will allow them to return. This is scary. This is absolutely scary. I have to give it scary. to them.
3: They don't. They don't give up with their wacky ideas and policies. No. They just pull no. them out of the hat like rabbits.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I I have to shake my head because it's so amazing how they get away with this stuff. Absolutely amazing how they get away with this stuff. So we're waiting for our. Well, this, we're having.
3: The way they present it to um, their constituency, you know, everything they do pretty much is meant to be a touchy-feely situation, you know. And it's just like the Affordable Care Act. It's this is a this is a policy that's anything but affordable. But they they label things in a way that. You know, people don't know the true nature. Same thing with this bill, if it's ever passed, which I doubt, not with the Senate that we have now, except for one, some guy named Romney, but um, (laughs) I don't think it's going anywhere. And hopefully we'll, we'll end all this madness when we take over the House in November and increase our lead in the Senate, because I think... Like myself, America has had enough of this. I'm just tired of it every day. These guys are going after this president. And I think this is what's drawing people to him.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I just sent a message over to Bud pa- Buzz Patterson letting him know that we're waiting for his call. So as soon as I see his number up in the uh, switchboard, I will bring him on. Uh, meanwhile, if anyone else is in the uh Switchboard. That I see some other numbers up there. If you feel like making a question or comment, you know, feel free to uh, press one, and we'll bring you on. Um,
3: well, oh, what do I you know think about, about to... the Iowa caucus and that debacle? <laughs> I mean, to this day, they um, really, really don't know who won, but so they gave no. him a tie, Bernie and Buttigieg.
1: Yeah, they gave him a tie. And that was one of the things I had pulled aside to uh, talk with, and I had mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, but the ties of Tower, here we go, uh, yeah, this is the article, just bear with me as I pull it back up. Yeah, um, this was in Town Hall by Leah Barkokias, Um The tech firm Shadow Inc., which created the technology for the Iowa caucuses that completely failed, is headed up by a number of former Hillary for America staffers. On its website, the firm explains the team is composed of campaign and technology veterans who have built and implemented technology at Hillary for America, Obama for America, Google, Kiva, Apple, the AFL-CIO, and the DNC. Shadow CEO, CTO, and COO, that's Chief Operating Officer, uh, Chief Technical Officer, and Chief Executive Officer, and the Product Manager all worked for Hillary in 2016. Um, that little last bit of Shadow, uh, who the CEO, CTO, and COO, was put up by Mike Preisner up on Twitter on February 4th. Um, While the app was supposed to make Iowa caucuses easier, many caucus site precinct chairs reported that it wasn't working, an error that seems like it could have been prevented if Democratic leadership opened the app to prior scrutiny. Now catch this. Here is a key. Homeland Securities at CISA.gov offered to test the Iowa caucuses app. They declined. There is a DHS interview uh, that is up on looks like up on Twitter. Uh, Heather Swift posted this uh, as a DHS spokesperson. Now, cybersecurity experts also roundly criticized the Iowa Democratic Party's decision to not identify the app maker publicly or allow it to be subject to open secure security and reliability testing the cybersecurity wing of the Department of Homeland Security recently offered to do some security testing on the app but the Iowa Democratic Party declined the outreach according to people familiar with the matter so you know they had an offer of testing the security on the app by the Department of Homeland Security now mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg uses the same vendor, Shadow Inc., that the Iowa Democratic Party paid to develop their app for caucus results. Now, catch this. The owner of Shadow is married to Buttigieg's digital director. Um, Shadow was launched on the 17th of January of 2009. Mayor Pete announced his run for the presidency on the 23rd. The CEO of the company that owns Shadow tweets out her support, and the new CEO of Shadow worked for Hillary's campaign. Pete's campaign gives the giant contributions to, gives giant contributions to Shadow. Um, Hillary Clinton hyped up the 75 million dollar initiative that founded the creation of Packer acronym, and the Shadow Inc., claiming it would protect against, quote, propaganda. David Ploof, who was a Clinton insider, who's been hammering Bernie on MSNBC all night, is on this group's board. A Nevada Democratic Federal Account paid Shadow 58000 in August. Iowa Dems paid the account in two payments each, 63000 And suggested the app wasn't developed until just months ago. Both caucuses' state shadow is a spinoff of a Democratic dark money pack with direct connections to Hillary Clinton. And how much you want to bet it's got a connection somewhere along the way to George Soros, if you follow the money.
3: I believe you. That guy, so it, it, I, I don't know why Soros not in jail. You know, I, I think he's wanted by a couple of countries, but why is this guy so hard to catch?
1: Yeah. I mean, inciting riots by, you know, supporting um, occupied movement and actually paying these people to go out there and protest and personally apply supplying the buses that moved them from city to city. He did the same exact thing with Antifa, inciting to riot to cause property damage. And we see his fingers in everything. So yeah, this guy should have been prosecuted and we don't see that. Now, I don't know if there's a problem with our switchboard system today, but we're still waiting for Buzz Patterson to uh, call in. Um, I just emailed him again. And he normally gets back to me within a matter of a minute or two. So I'm wondering if we're having a problem here on Blog Talk Radio uh, with this switching. Yeah.
3: Out. Yeah, this storm. I mean, we don't, I don't know. What's a, it's
1: a I don't strange know. storm? Well, Blog Talk Radio is not on the East Coast, they're out of California. And hopefully, this is our guest calling in. Uh, this is Southern Sense. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio chick to whom am I speaking.
7: Uh yeah, this is John.
1: John, you awesome. have a question or comment? From
7: Austin, Texas. Okay. So, uh, my question my my comment. question. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I I just I, I kind of just have a question about uh, Schiff, Schiff, Adam Schiff. I I heard somewhere on Facebook that apparently. Adam Schiff is a is a sleeper agent for George Soros, and uh, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it does have me scared over here. I won't lie. Well,
1: considering George Soros makes sure he makes donations to a lot of the campaigns, I am positive that he probably sent some money to uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, so if Adam Schiff is sending information over to George Soros you know, on the sly, I would not doubt that. we got to remember that Adam Schiff also has his own campaign path, which in the last year he raised something like $5 million, of which he donated to 44 members of the House before he convened his impeachment committee. So he was already knowing that he was going to go forward with this impeachment investigation and prosecution, And just prior to that, he makes donations to fellow Democrats in the House, knowing that full well, they will become the jury. He is the prosecutor. They will be the jury. So he, as a prosecutor, just bribed his own jury. If we were to do that, if you were to be a prosecutor or a juror involved in this sort of a transaction, we would be behind bars. But because he's a member of Congress, no one is going to touch him. No one will make the allegation against him, and nothing's going to be done.
7: Right, right. And I guess I kind of have another question to to kind of go off of that. Um, basically, you know, they this whole this whole impeachment trial, this whole sham. I feel as if even if President Trump did something wrong, which he might have, I don't care. I feel as if President Trump is above the law. He can do whatever he wants. He can come in the house and fuck my wife for all I care. All
1: right, thank you.
7: Oh, I just knocked off Curtis. Ah, I just knocked off my
1: co-host. I want to get rid of the nasty call, and I apologize, Curtis. I just kicked him off. Ah, oh, jeez. Oh, oh, it's just one of those days. Oh man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm having. <laughs> Oh, I, I apologize. I'm trying to send Curtis a message. Uh, oh, jeez, I am having one of those days, folks. If you ever had a day that nothing could possibly go right, <laughs> it's today. Anyway, uh, man, there's so much more to talk about, and I just wish I could get our guests to. I had one guest out of all of them so far being able to call in uh, the way we wanted them to. Jeez. Uh, all right, folks, I'll get my act together, and hopefully Curtis will call back in. Oh, man. I got my bad, Curtis. My bad. Okay. My finger. I went to kick that guy out, and he hung up just as I was kicking him out, and I accidentally that kicked
3: him. I was kind of leery about that guy. I was just like waiting to see if he was legitimate.
1: Oh.
2: Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well, I— uh,
3: I think about these wacky ideas that the left always come up with. Why don't the Republicans come up with something for George Soros, you know? If you want to ask me, he's interfering with our election when he, you know, funnels money into different groups and things, you know, that are left-leaning and meant to, you know, um have a certain outcome. Why can't they get him on that?
1: You know, That's my uh, question. tampering with the elections, yeah, um, already inciting violence, and you're supporting it, and you're backing it. There's so many charges that you could bring him up on, his son up on, because his son yeah, is as equally uh, involved, too. So maybe if we do get a Republican House and a stronger Republican Senate and see Trump four more years— um, Maybe then, somewhere along the way, they can initia- initiate an investigation. Uh, should that happen, though, Curtis, I will make a prediction. Watch the bodies drop. The same way oh, yeah. getting an investigation with Hillary Clinton or Bubba Clinton, watch the bodies drop. And the same thing with Epstein, watch the bodies drop. it's a sad, sad thing, but they, the only way they're going to, mean investigation if they do something to the witnesses by either tampering with them or making him disappear, whatever. I mean, again, back to Jeffrey Epstein questions about, you know, is this a suicide? Too many factors, and it's pointed out in the book, uh, are there to say, no, it's not. It was staged and very staged very poorly. Very poorly staged. I, it's a great book to read. So, again, I'm just waiting for Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson to call in, and I'm wondering if he is having a problem uh, getting around here yeah, yeah. So, so what, do think think what do you think
3: about Mitt Romney? What do you think about Mitt Romney and his decision to um, basis his vote on, on God? Um... That was. I mean, he's 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 not a team player. I mean, we got every Republican supporting this president, and he's the one standout because um, he just doesn't like Trump, and he comes up with all these other excuses why, you know, he can't support Trump. I would hope that Utah residents would, you know, recall this guy or vote him out.
1: Well there is legislation that was put forward by a Republican in the u- Utah uh, Senate uh, <laughs> where it would allow right now there is no law in Utah that allows the voters to institute a recall of a sitting senator sitting u s senator there is nothing in the law no procedure there's no way for Utah to do this he is putting uh-huh. forward you would legislation think every state would have that precisely that. If I remember correctly, I believe the bill is Senate Bill 217. I could be right or wrong, uh, but it was just recently proposed. So if passed, yeah, Romney could then be effectively recalled for not following the will of his constituents. You know, it's a heavily red area, and uh, he just did not listen to his constituents, and that's a sad, sad thing. Um, Yeah. We had the to for six years. Exactly. That's he
3: said he's
1: not little running little for re election. He claims he's not running for re election, but I would rather see him switch to the Democratic Party and admit
4: yeah, yeah. his
1: liberal leanings openly than to pull a stunt like that he did. It's very disappointing yeah. to the voters. Here, you think you, ele- you thought you elected someone that followed the same uh, beliefs that you do? that followed the Republican, um, uh, platform. And instead he pulls the rug out from underneath all the voters. So, you know, it, if, if that's your true colors, then actually live and vote them. If that's your true colors and allow the voters in your state to decide whether or not they want to keep you or kick you out. And if this, uh, legislation passes in, uh, Utah. We just may see that happen. And hooray, let's do this. We've got our next guest in on the line. And let's bring on board retired Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, U.S. Air Force, running for Congress out of California District 7. Buzz for Congress. Good afternoon, Buzz. How are you doing today?
9: I'm doing fantastic. So sorry I'm a little bit late. We're just going a million miles an hour out of here. I just finished up a speech uh, here in Sacramento. And I was trying to get you guys a bit earlier, so hopefully you guys could hear me. Um, I'm actually walking out of the hotel right now, so hopefully in the background noise is not too loud.
1: Oh, no, you sound fine. You sound absolutely fine. You know, um, there's so much that's going on, but people can find your campaign website, Buzz, the number four, Congress, buzzforcongress.com. Um, I looked at your website, and it's really great. Uh, let me put up what I have here one of the things that was in the state of the union uh, that president uh, Trump had addressed was school choice. And what he did at that state of the union was so uplifting. It's an issue that you feel is also important that the money should follow the child, not the child following the money.
9: That's 100% correct. And that's a huge issue here in uh, California and Sacramento in general. So what the state of California is trying to do, Gavin Newsom, our governor, is trying to do, is he's trying to force uh, parents to not be allowed to either choose charter schools or homeschool their children. He wants to force all children to go to public schools, and you know why that is, Eddie, because he wants uh, the the uh, the unions out here, the educational unions out here, want to be able to dictate that all children must be schooled in public schools in California. Now. There's a lot of people out here who have a problem with that. Me, uh, my wife, and I homeschooled our kids for a while. Our kids go to public schools now. But one private college, uh, public uh, high school, and our, we've got a younger son going to a public middle school. But we, we feel like it should be the parents' prerogative to decide how their children are, are educated in this nation, not, not the governor and the unions decide how our children are educated. And that's become a particularly big issue out here in California because there's been a, a recent trend where – Children are who are being vaccinated, and, and all my kids were vaccinated. We never have a problem with it. But we have, we do have a lot of parents here who have had children who have suffered uh, the side effects of vaccinations. And if you're not vaccinated according to California state law, then you're not allowed to go to public school. So I, mean, I, I just think to begin, you know, I'm all about, Annie, I'm all about Southern sense. Right? I'm from North Carolina, so I'm all about let's do things uh, from the family perspective, the let's make things a smaller government approach and not a bigger government approach, which has led, the bigger government approach has led California down this path that we have seen that California become in some ways a third and fourth world country in our homelessness and our our crime and, uh, you know, the, the deterioration of our inner cities and our highways and our road systems. And it's just time for a new look, a new vision. And I think I bring that to California.
1: Now, did you get the um email I sent you with the uh, new way forward act?
9: Yes, ma'am, I did.
1: Is that not crazy? That is one of the it's, craziest it's, it's, bills I have ever seen. It it basically you know what? says open the borders, don't prosecute and
9: It's not Yeah, I mean, it's there's so many crazy things happening out here. I mean, I can't even I can't even uh lump them all into uh, you know, a category. It's, it's the fact that, so recently, you know, we have, as as you and I know, we have a huge homeless issue in California and it's not just affecting um, the big cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco. It's affecting Sacramento. It's affecting San Diego. It's affecting even, even the remote areas of like Modesto and Stockton and Fresno. Homelessness in this state is rampant. So we're not allowing, We're not not providing um, housing assistance or mental health facilities or addiction um, counseling to our currently U.S. citizens in California, but we're offering all those services, free medical care, to illegal aliens. And then recently Gavin Newsom decided that he was going to – any crime that involves theft of of less than $1,000, that person is going to be released. So what that only well, what that does is it only encourages more petty crime and people going after the homeless and, and, and stealing and the homeless going after people and stealing. So that they know that they can get away with um, ripping somebody off for a thousand dollars or less and not have and not being prosecuted. And that just I mean the, the lawlessness in the state has always been a, a bad thing in the last ten fifteen years. But can you imagine what that's doing right now to to just encourage people coming across the border to commit, to, to commit crimes? And I'm not. I'm not anti-immigration. I'm very pro-immigration, I'm, but I am very anti-illegal immigration because I've seen what it does to the state, what it does to the nation, um, and the fact that we have American citizens. You know, my, my platform is America first, and we've got to be taking care of our own, and we're not doing that in California for sure. And what happens is that the, the problems that we have out here are not staying in California. They're migrating east. So people who think that you know we don't really care what happens in California, as far as I'm concerned, it could it could drop off into the Pacific Ocean. That's not the answer. The answer is to fix the problem out here because uh, the problems that, that come to the southern border, they're not staying here. They're moving. They're moving. They're moving to Texas. They're moving to Atlanta. They're moving to Charlotte. They're moving to New York City. They're moving to Washington D.C. I mean, it's uh, they, their conduit is through is through California for sure. But they're not staying here. They're moving east. So it's not just a California issue. It's a national issue. And I believe it's a national security issue. I believe we've got issues that, I mean, we just had people arrested recently coming across the border that were Al Qaeda. So uh, we've got to, I mean, I I fully support a wall. I fully support President Trump. You know, what people ask me, what does a wall look like? Well, I I think it looks like, you know, a physical structure, but it also looks like increased uh, surveillance, increased uh, border patrol. Increased uh, uh, drone surveillance, increased electronic sensors. You know, we are the only first-world country in the world, Annie, that does not that does not control their borders. And uh, that uh, situation, it's, it's a matter of sovereignty to me. I don't know why we, why the left. I mean, I I, I know why they want to do it. They want the votes, right? They want the illegal votes. But we are the only sovereign nation. Canada doesn't do it. Mexico doesn't do it. The UK doesn't do it. Germany doesn't do it. France doesn't do it. They, they they control their borders. The only country in the world that doesn't is us.
1: You know, it's funny because my friend, I've known him for like over 30 years, Mike Cutler, former ICE agent that uh, testified before the 9-11 commission. He also was the one that uh, deported the illegal alien that killed my friend and fellow officer, a police officer, Bob Machadi. Uh, only to find that he came back again and had to be deported three times. So we've got a huge problem with illegal aliens, but it's not just the southern border. Every state that has an airport, every state that has a, a seaport with access to international shipping traffic is a border state. So we have to control all ports of entry. And I just saw in the news just last night TSA, in order to speed up the lines of the airport, is lowering their screening standards so people can get through faster, which means someone could very easily slip past TSA at this point if this is implemented. This is scary.
9: It's scary, and I'll tell you, it's scary, as you pointed out. I mean, it's not just people walking up from Central America and uh, Mexico across the border. You're exactly right. I'm a a retired Delta Airlines pilot, and I – so I flew for 16 years for Delta, and I realized how porous uh, air travel was coming up from South America, Central America, Mexico, or coming from the Middle East. You know, And what, what has been the issue with this country for – I mean I don't think you can pin it on – I don't think you can pin it on Barack Obama per se. I don't think you can pin it on George W. Bush. I mean you know, my former boss, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, he had issues with, with border security as well. I mean it goes back decades, and we haven't – we as a, as a nation has not tackled this issue. It's a it's a it's a common it's a very complex issue where we can't have this. our State Department, in many ways, has failed. You know, it shouldn't take say, say that you're um, a resident of uh, Sweden, and you want to immigrate to the country, to the United States legally. It shouldn't take you 10 years. It shouldn't ta- it should take you. I mean, whether you're coming from Sweden or Nigeria or Iraq or. Uh, China, it shouldn't take you 10 years to become a legal resident of this, of this country, a citizen of this country. It should take you about, in my estimation, probably half of that time would seem reasonable to me. But we – the State Department processes are broken. The DHS is doing the best they possibly can, but they're undermanned. Uh, the Border Patrol is underfunded, and they're undermanned. I mean we really have created this monster, and when you, when, you, when you encourage people when you encourage uh, people to, to bypass the system, right? So if you're living in Ecuador or you're living in Salvador or Honduras, then you see the incentive of coming to the United States of America
4: and getting free medical
9: care, uh, you know, working working illegally on, in some capacity uh, in the market and sending your money back to your family, and you, and you make that – you create a vacuum that people are sucking into in this nation. And, it's, it, I mean, it's, I think it's a structure break, structural breakdown. On so many levels in this nation, I mean, it, you know, the State Department, DHS, Border Patrol, the, uh, the Defense Department, um, airlines, the FAA, you know, TSA. We have we have created this huge monster, and it's not going to be easily fixed. But one of the first things we can do is start tightening down on the controls and, and making it not not easier to get through an airport screening, but harder to get through an airport screening. I know it, I know it affects the airlines. I've been there. I'm a pilot. I understand that people get upset going to TSA, TSA lines. I understand that. However, the alternative is another 9-11, and I don't think the company, the country or our economy can withstand another attack like that. I mean it almost destroyed the economy of this country, and I think another one uh, on, a, on a similar or, or greater scale will bankrupt the nation and throw us back into another you know, world war. To like calamity, and I just don't think we can afford to do that.
1: You know, when I owned a travel agency back in the uh, late '70s, early '80s, you know, you, when you traveled internationally, you needed to have a visa. Uh, somewhere along the way, they they got rid of that, but we still require some proof that when you come here on a tourist visa, you know you have you don't have an open-ended ticket to return. You have a specific return date, and These dates are being violated. People come over on a tourist visa, stay. They come over on a student visa, overextend themselves, and stay. Uh, They come over on a work visa and then just disappear into the fabric of our nation. Uh, we had recent stories about workers coming from Saudi Arabia to work on the military bases. They show up at the front gate and then are never seen again. Somewhere along the way, they just disappear on the base. This is on a military installation. These are scary things that are happening to our nation because they're insisting on open borders, and it's going to cost us dearly.
9: Well, it's going to, and I, and I, I would tell people who don't think that, you know, that the U.S., the fact that we don't require uh, – that we don't control that system. I would, I would challenge it as an airline pilot. When I was flying to Russia or China or Kuwait or uh, Egypt – I mean, my visas as an airline pilot were so carefully controlled that I had a certain arrival time and a certain departure time. And if I overstayed that, they were knocking on my, my under my door to arrest me. But we don't do that here. I mean, I mean, I don't know. You know, we're, we're a magnanimous country. I understand that. But most most civilized countries around the world that, that use a visa system control that. We don't. We have not. We've lost we've lost the ability to do that. And people can come here on a student visa. Um, you know, I, I am a full. I'm a big proponent of, if you want to come here and, and work, then we should have a worker visa that's highly controlled. And you come here, you do your three, five years of work here, and then you either apply for citizenship or you go home. Um, and, but we we don't, right people people will disappear into the fabric of the country, and they are never heard from it again. We don't have the, we don't have the the workforce or the ability to track those people down on a one on one basis. You now that's what ICE is supposed to do, but you can see what ICE. Um, the attack that they they get under you know by the, by the left and the media. I mean, these guys are just doing their jobs. I mean, when it, God bless ICE. I mean, they're they're stopping child trafficking and sex trafficking and all kinds of crazy things from happening in the border, and they get they get just ridiculed and, and uh, attacked by Democrats left and right. I mean, and they should be we should be enhancing ICE's capability, not not decreasing it or talking about removing them altogether.
1: Now, uh, just to switch the subject a little bit, you've got a primary coming up next month. I believe it's, what, March 3rd? It is. All right. Well, there's a bill that worked its way through the State Assembly is going up before the State Senate. And this, this is mind-boggling. It was introduced by Senator Melissa Hurtado, who would permit voters to change their party affiliation or address within two weeks of Election Day without having to re-register to vote which is going to put into play a lot of independent voters. And can you imagine how many will turn around and uh, say, well, I'm registered as a Democrat, but I want to influence the Republican primary to vote for the more progressive candidate on the Republican side. Uh, and they don't have to re-register to vote. They just, just say, all right, I'm changing my party affiliation. This is my address change, Whatever. And then just absolutely unduly influence your party primary. This is crazy. I mean, has California gone completely apeshit?
9: Yes, California has gone completely apeshit. And you know, I'm talking about you know the fact that that this is another one. So in California, I don't, you know, I don't, I I don't think most states adopt this, but in California, we have what's called a a jungle primary. So regardless of party affiliation, uh, the top two vote getters go forward. Now, thankfully. Um, in, my, in my race against my opponent, Amy Barra, who's a Democrat uh, in Sacramento, uh, he and I are going to go forward. So I don't have a lot of Republican – I don't have any Republican uh, competition. So, But I've got friends that are – for example, a buddy of mine, Eric Earl, is running against uh, Adam Schiff. He's got four other Republican candidates going against him. A guy that's running – a friend of mine, Mike Garcia, is running against uh, – running for the old Katie, Katie Hill spot in uh, Valencia, Santa Clarita area. He's got four or five going after – going with, against him too. So so what Californians have done – and unfortunately Arnold Schwarzenegger started this when he was governor. His top two thing means that regardless of party affiliation, the top two vote getters us go forward from the primary. And you're right. Our primary is March 3rd. Um, it, I feel confident we're going to be going forward as in the top two, but can you imagine if um, – if you were in a district like uh, the one, I think it's uh, California 26, where there's got, they've got five Republican uh, contenders, can you imagine if you had Democrats uh, who could switch their affiliation and vote for uh, the, chief, the easiest or the, or the least qualified Republican and then switch back uh, prior to the general? And that's what they try to do here. And, and, and they've gotten really, really good at it. I mean, it's one of these things where we've got, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a fighter. I'm an Air Force pilot uh, 20 years in the Air Force. I'm a guy that in California you have two options. I mean, a lot of our friends are leaving. A lot of our family have left uh, California, so you have two options here. You flee, you go to Greener Pastures, you go to Texas, or you go to Colorado, or you go to Utah or Idaho, or you stay here and fight. And the first thing we got to do is give Donald Trump back the House, which is, which is the main reason why I'm running because uh, I want to get President Trump the next four years and have him be able to focus on the country and our nation's uh, issues and not have to worry about the next Jerry Nadler or Adam Schiff or Nancy Pelosi um, impeachment inquiry. But I think I think we can do that. I think President Trump's on board with that as well. But uh, We have got to get President Trump back to the House first, and then we got to start tack- tackling tackling the, the issues that that plague California. And you know, and I'm telling you, it's not just Republicans in the state. I travel around the state talking all the time. And I've got a great campaign commercial. People want to go to buzzforcongress. dot Take a look at my first campaign ad. It's not about, it's not about specific issues. It's about California and whether you know whether you're going to stay here and fight with me, be my wingman, join my squadron, or you're going to leave. And I think that most Californians, regardless of party, right now, are so upset. In fact, yesterday. We had – we were doing a phone bank. I uh, was calling constituents last night uh, and talking to them and, and encouraging them to come out on March 3rd. And I had a gentleman who heard that we were down at the Republican headquarters in Sacramento. This guy drove down, and he, he pulled off. He said, I'm he was like he was 55-ish. He goes, I've been a lifelong Republican. I'm an African-American. I have voted – I'm sorry, a lifelong Democrat. I have voted Democrat for 35 years. He said, I heard you, I heard you on the phone call. I am down here to tell you that right now I'm changing my party affiliation to Republican, and I'm voting for you on March 3rd. So it's not just Republicans that are upset, it's Democrats. And Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech behind President Trump at the State of the Union was the best thing that could happen to Republicans across the country, and the best thing, especially, to happen to Republicans in California, because people get it. They don't like her. Uh, he, Democrats are ready to walk away. Hashtag walk away to my uh, and people are doing it more and more and more. And it's not just the vocal Trump supporters. It's, 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 it's Democrats. It's the no-party preference. It's independents who are saying, sort of you know what, I am tired of this, I'm tired of this crap. It's time to uh, be unified as Americans again. Donald Trump's our president. Let's support the guy. Let's support him for the next four years.
1: Well, Buzz. I find it amazing because um, I just wanted to point this one point out, uh, Curtis. And let me go forward. Um, the New Jersey had their Trump rally just recently, and New Jersey is bright blue. And over 26% of those that attended his rally were registered Democrats. You're right. The nation is going to be changing. Curtis, go ahead, hunt.
3: Yeah, I know a lot of Republicans want to write off California because it is so left, and I can understand why some of the Republicans there would want to succeed from California and form their own state. But I see things a little differently. I think our Republicans in Congress should understand that the only way we're going to get back places like California and reclaim places like New York which had you know is flooded with progressive um ideology Correct. and uh a, a, a left wing you know agenda is to reclaim our school systems you know return civics to the classrooms um you know just change the curriculum um once you become a congressman, what do you think it is you could do to um help reclaim the, you know our school systems?
9: well it's uh in california that's uh you know i've got i got children in public schools and I can tell you uh they've been uh, our kids are, are unfortunately, fortunately my wife and my kids are they've been they've been uh raised properly as christians and believers and they understand uh, what we're all about uh California's been indoctrinating kids in this country for a long this state for a long time and um you know the we we've got to turn back the nation to Uh, our our founding fathers and um, um, getting back to what we were what we were raised upon and how we go forward with that is just being good stewards of our of our uh, of our kids of our families and um, it's sad that we've gotten to this point that we have to let public school teachers uh, train and raise our children when in fact it should be the parents and the uh, the mom and dads and the churches uh doing doing this uh, and getting our school system the one of the biggest problems out here Curtis, is the fact that we have um educational unions teachers unions running running um uh, and trying to dictate school policy for example in California I mean I, I won't go into the gory details but you can be in kindergarten and get sex education in California I mean that to me is is shocking that we would even as a public school system allow that to happen um it's just – it's 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 unfortunate, but we got to get people in the right position. Number one, Common Core, uh, uh, Barack Obama's Common Core, it's not working. Uh, across the state, I've, I've talked to parents all the time. They say this is just – yes. why a lot of parents are homeschooling their kids. or are sitting in the charter schools. They're not required to do Common Core if they go to a charter school or do co- or, or homeschool. Um, we've got to get back to the principles, I don't know, that you and I and Annie were raised on. You know, that uh, – I mean, I was taught that to, to, – the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, you know, sing the National Anthem. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Now it's uh, that's illegal in California.
4: What? Uh,
1: it, it's, it's gotten crazy. It's gotten crazy. And they go after our religion. They go after our free speech. Um, we're persecuted if we publicly dis- display any religious paraphernalia.
9: It's crazy, matter of fact. Just, There's going to be a – there's a huge – I think a huge blowback to that right now. I think it also goes back to the blowback that's happening with uh, a lot of Democrats that are walking away. I mean I think that you can just push people so far. Uh, I think the Democrats like to paint people into a a corner. They like to – I mean Democrats, um, they like to – they have to create a victimhood status. You know, When when they see more and more African-Americans and Asians and Hispanics going to the right and voting Republicans, that's why they're trying to encourage more and more illegal aliens to come across because they need that vote. They need that voting base. Um, and I think more and more Americans are getting it. You know, I'm not, I would probably tell you that I'm a, a very fiscal uh, conservative. I'm a, I'm a pro uh, national security, pro military conservative. But when it comes to social matters, I'm, I'm pretty much down the middle. I mean, I just I understand people have the right, I'm a libertarian in a lot of ways. Um, but we cannot continue to be beat over the head every single day by our by our by our media, our popular culture. Uh, it's just got to change, and I think that you know we've got to put pe- bring people in who are outside the process, who have not been raised from the ground up. You know, people like Nancy Pelosi and Bernie Sanders who have made millions and millions because they've been there for decades. We need people with a fresh approach. We need people that uh, have. Uh, have had military experience in my in my in my uh, in my case, or people who have had business experience in Donald Trump's case. We need people who have a fresh take on life, a fresh take on how the country should operate. And um, I think that's uh, that's the future of the country. I mean, I see I see problems on both sides of the aisle. Um, I think it's time, and I think most Americans are getting it. You know that that the status quo, business as usual, politics as usual in this nation does not work anymore. People are tired of it. And uh, we we are failing as a nation. We are failing ourselves. We are failing when we have homeless vets on the streets uh, in Sacramento that we sent over to Iraq and Afghanistan four, five, and six times, uh, and they come home with PTSD or they've lost legs or arms, and and they can't find gainful employment. They can't afford housing. And and we're – and they're forced to go onto the streets of Sacramento, but yet – and we don't We don't give them a hand up. We don't give them uh, medical care, but we offer illegal aliens coming across um, from El Salvador. We give them pre-medical care, and we give them pre-public education. You know, that – it's it's no longer – for Democrats, it's no longer America first. It's everybody else but America first, and that has got me so incensed. That's why I'm running for Congress.
1: You know What I'd love to see one day is if the Veterans Affairs Administration, when a guy or gal is getting ready to separate from whatever service they're in, that they sit the person down and say, here, these are the skill sets you have. These are the different areas in the public sector that should be able to hire you, and here, we're going to help you to learn how to do an interview so the new employer can understand how your skill sets will fit that job. And Fortunately, our mayor here is South Carolina, mayor, our governor, woo, that was a big Freudian slip, governor in South Carolina, Henry McMaster's, has started to initiate that very program here statewide. I'd love to see that for every single person getting ready to separate from the military.
9: Well, that's a great point because, you know, 80% of all military specialties uh, have, a, have a civilian equivalent. So I was an airline – I mean, I was an Air Force pilot for 20 years. And so I easily rolled into a, a job as an airline pilot for Delta Airlines. Right, So 80% of us coming out of the military have a, a civilian equivalent. Um, but when people are coming back from Iraq, uh, our VA system, which has become a lot better uh, under President Trump, but it's still not where it needs to be. So we've got people coming back from combat. And I, I can tell you personally, if you've been to combat, it's a life-changing experience. It's life-altering so the VA will do a. a uh, so if you come back from your uh, tours in Iraq or Afghanistan, and you've been in combat on the ground, so you say so you're an army, army guy or girl, a marine, and you come home, you get your initial uh, in processing with the VA, and they can see you two more times in the next 360 365 days. So that's just not enough. I mean, when you come back from, Congress, uh, from combat, the first thing you do is you you, you do your you do your first event, uh, your first uh, meeting with um, specialist the v a and you get two more times in the next year so what happens in that two more times is you you start going back into you know your PTSD issues your mental health your addiction your, your drug abuse we have we have twenty two twenty two vets a day commit suicide twenty two a day that is way too more, way more than should be acceptable in a nation like this and uh, I just find it I find it incredible that we're not Addressing these issues, but we're but we're encouraging more and more people to come over and get on the public dole uh, that are not that have not contributed to the American dream, have not contributed to America's national security and defense, and um, I just think we've got our priorities upside down.
1: Now, well, the good thing is the work that Trump is doing and the work you're going to support, because in his State of the Union he said he took seven million off of food stamps. 10 million off of welfare. On top of that, he signed an executive order that was upheld that said that if you're on public assistance, we're not issuing you a green card.
9: Right. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just smart. That's just smart stewardship of our, of our finances. Right. I mean, why would we, we can't, I mean, we're how many trillion are we in the hole right now in terms of uh, our debt? Uh, and you know we're still accruing another trillion, trillion and a half per year. I mean that's that's not just affecting you and I. That's affecting our kids and our grandkids. Um, and I'm, I'm, one of my big things uh, when I get to Congress is going to be in favor of a balanced budget amendment. And I also I'm also a huge uh, supporter of uh, term limits. I don't think we should have people that can be in Congress 35, 40 years, making billions and owning, and for example in Nancy Pelosi's case, owning a owning a, a you know five star vineyard. Uh, in Napa valley and, uh, and
6: and her husband
9: cutting uh, real estate deals in china I just don't think that's what what service to the country is all about I mean I mean you know I, I took an oath of office when I was in, in the, as an air Force officer and my oath never expires and i and my oath was to support and defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic now Nancy Pelosi took the exact same oath you see her doing that I don't see her doing that uh, I see Donald Trump doing it but I sure as heck don't see Nancy Pelosi or, or Adam Schiff or Jerry Nadler doing it, or, or Chuck Schumer. I just think people—they take that oath and they do—they do it. Um, I'm not even sure most of them even remember the oath they took. And I think that's that's kind of a, a sad commentary too.
1: No, I, I remember that day, July 15th, 1986, when I raised my white-gloved hand and, and took that oath too. Yep. That is a day that's etched in my memory, and how can you forget taking that oath? You know, I got to admit though, it just just broke through the Washington Examiner in an interview with President Trump. He has said that Nancy Pelosi broke the law when she tore up the speech document.
9: Hallelujah. Well, she broke a lot of things, and I also saw today that the uh, the White House escorted uh, Lieutenant Colonel Zinnman out of the N.S.C. and sent him on his way. And yeah. I want to see that guy, the guy that actually started this whole impeachment scenario, a sitting active duty lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army who went around the chain of command and started uh, a coup attempt against a sitting commander-in-chief. And today he was escorted out of the White House. And there's, going to be, there's going to be some payback. And President Trump's not, he's not a person you want to screw around with. And uh, I, I don't see him back in now. Now that he was, he's been acquitted, I can see Vindman. I I hope that the guy is uh, court-martialed and he does some time. And I hope that Nancy Pelosi pays for that. I mean, these 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 grandstanding plays that they do, without any repercussions, just like Hillary Clinton and the 33,000 emails she destroyed, and and breaking up her servers and her uh, her cell phones with hammers. I mean, the fact that, that. we can no longer, I don't think Americans are going to tolerate any longer there being two levels of justice in this country, one for them and one for all the rest of us. Uh, I think people are beyond tired of that, and I think Trump gets it. And I'm just waiting to see what happens next from uh, Attorney General uh, William Barr, and uh, I hope the U.S. Army pursues justice against Benjamin, and I hope the Congress censors – at least at least in a minimum censors Nancy Pelosi for what she did, and we get beyond all this
4: foolishness.
1: Well, there was a, a a motion on the floor to censor Nancy Pelosi, and that went out the window because it's highly democratic at this point. Um, but maybe we get a red house over there, and then you can put a new censure up there, and even probably open the investigation for prosecution for the felony she committed because this was a government document, an official government original document.
9: Well, i tell you what. Not here's a photocopy. The answer. Here's, the answer right here. here's the answer right here. Elect me. And my, and my fellow Republican uh, friends to Congress, and we we'll get the House back in November, and we'll go back and pursue this retroactively.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I hope that happens, because uh, within less than an hour of Nancy Pelosi being filmed doing that, Liz Cheney sent an email to my inbox with the little thing with Nancy Pelosi ripping it up saying, this is why we've got to take the House back and make it red. She's running up in Wyoming, I believe. And That's you're correct. down yes. there in She's California,
9: District yep. Seven.
1: Yeah. Now I got a question for you because when I was pulling up on my homework, uh, on Politics One I normally check to see who's running and what their websites are. I thought you were had John Ivey uh running against you in the primary. Did he drop out?
9: No, no, he's still running, but he's uh <laughs> he's not a Republican. He is a uh he is a guy who calls himself a progressive Republican who's actually a Bernie Sanders supporter. So uh, people uh-huh. in, Cal- in Sacramento see him for exactly who he is. He's a, he's a communist who is a – uh, in, my, in my opinion, is a Democratic Party plant. Uh, and the only thing he's going to do is pull votes away from my opponent, uh, Ami Vera. So I'm not worried about John Ivey. He's, uh, he's not raised any money. He doesn't have a platform. He doesn't even have a team. He's doing this just for uh, his own, his own uh, uh, entertainment. And uh, he's, if anything, he's going to be pulling votes away from the Democratic Party. So, no, he's, he's, yeah, he's an opponent, but he's, he's not really.
1: Uh, No, because when I saw that, you know, I sent you the message going, "WTF? What is?" a progressive Republican. I kind of cracked up on that. I kind of suspected looking at his website, that was exactly the road he was going to be going down. Um, looking at the clock, we're down to our last uh, seven minutes here. Uh, this show has gone so fast, despite the fact we had so many technical issues. And again, I'm going to remind the listeners, I'm sorry I did not uh, open the chat room because we could not open the chat room today, so I could not take your questions or comments through the chat room. I apologize. It's a technical issue on the side of Block Talk Radio. I had no control of it. We did have the chat room open up on Facebook where people participated on the uh, live watch party, and I did have it up on Spreaker under SHR Media, uh, so people were able to make some questions and comments. But Buzz, you know, I'm going to wish you good luck. Your website is your first name, Buzz, B-U-Z-Z, The number four, congress.com, buzz dot congresscom And I'm going to wish you a lot of luck. And I know your schedule is really busy. So if people want to know where you can appear, they can go to your website, click on the events. Because I think, uh, what is today? Today is, you've got one tomorrow in Wilton. And on Sunday, you've got a meet and greet. I mean, you've got even a country music night with Trey Taylor. I mean, you are, you're all over the place.
9: Yeah, thank you for doing that. You know, and we're, We've got a fundraiser tomorrow at a, at a ranch in Wilton. Uh, people can go to Buzz for Congress uh, and check us out there. I've got one in Fair Oaks. uh meet and greet great on Sunday. Then I'm going to be on One American News Network on Wednesday morning um, down in San Diego. And then we've got a country and western singer, Trey Taylor, who's just a fabulous young, young man and a, a great singer. He's, he's doing a, a benefit con- concert for us in L.A. on Valentine's evening, as a matter of fact. Uh, in Torrance, and then we're going to be doing one on the 29th of February in Folsom, right in the middle of my district, Folsom, California. So we're going to be doing one at the, at the Folsom Community Center on the evening of 29th. So it's Trey Taylor. Uh, check him out, TreyTaylor.com. Great guy. Uh, he's a big. Uh, Dolly Parton's a big supporter of, of Trey's. He's just a young, a phenomenal young uh, country western singer. So we've got a lot coming up, and we've got the the um, the uh, primary on March 3rd, we're going to be having a shindig here in the district on March 3rd at a, uh, a location to be determined. But we're going to have a great time, and we're going to be moving forward after that. So uh, we can't wait, and we really appreciate patriots like you guys uh, just supporting us and um, having us on. And I can't – if people want to follow me, please go to Twitter. I am all over Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, again, buzz4congress.com. the Number four, congress.com. I'd love to hear from folks. And as always, you know, campaigns are expensive, yeah, you know, especially in California. So if people can throw some money at us. We will be using it very wisely, and we want to kick uh, Democratic uh, candidate Representative Almeida out of office and get get President Trump back the House of Congress. Well, good luck,
1: Sound like uh, a plan. and God bless you. But God, God bless you for guys. the hard Thank work you, so you do. And you guys. Do. Right, thanks check it out lieutenant colonel buzz patterson buzz the number 4 congress buzzforcongress.com you know make a donation if you're not in california you know like you said do the same thing that ted cruz did you know 5 dollars ted cruz won his senate seat on 5 dollars a donation it's not hard to do for candidates that we can support a few bucks here a few bucks there it really can it, it totals up to a significant amount and give them a helping hand. And we're going to get more candidates uh, back on the show. We're going to try to give as much support to these candidates running for the House, especially, to turn the House back red. And it's like Liz Cheney said in her mail, we're going to do it one seat at a time, and we can turn the whole nation around if we all pull together and work together. That said, Curtis, uh, we'll be back here on Friday, next Friday, and it's going to be Your friend, Ernie Panza, that will be co-hosting with me, Um, I spoke to him just the other day, and he agreed to do the full show with us. You will be at a book signing on the 14th and 28th, so you won't be with me on those two dates. And I'll ask Ernie to come back on the 28th also. Uh, He and I get along real well. So Ernie (laughs) has been on the show in the past. Uh, so we'll have Ernie Panza as our guest co-host. That said, that's all I've got for today, folks. I want to thank everyone that's been listening over at Spreaker as well as over on Facebook. And we'll have this up on YouTube a little bit later. So I'm going to end the show with the song by our friend Gary Pecorella, Save America. Until then, I say good night, God bless, and be safe out there.
2: America, the home of the free But there are people making plans To change America They've no respect for her What matters most to you That's why I stand for the plan And I kneel at the cross for so the friends I have loved and lost And as we feel God we trust America. God bless America and the red light and blue. That's why I stand in the blood, then I can get across. Blown for the place I have blood and lust, then I see.